This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Happy Friday and welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great to have you with us, Andrew Patterson, along with Michael Remus. And we have a great show heading into the weekend. It's got that big fight feel. Vegas is humming right now. Just did the lock shop and talked to our pal Chris Abbott, who is in Vegas. The biggest fight of the year for the UFC is happening. It's Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. And we'll get into a little McGregor talk with my man Aaron Bronstetter coming up in about 15 minutes. Really looking forward to that. And then, of course, with CFL training camps opening this weekend and the Bombers getting to work tomorrow. What better time to preview Bomber training camp, all the positional battles, new players, familiar faces, and more with Eddie Tate of BlueBombers.com coming up a little bit later on. As always, we're brought to you by our wonderful family of sponsors, including Little Brown Jug Brewing, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Not Auto Corp, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Breezy Bend Country Club, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Assiniboia Downs, and CoolBet.com. Welcome to everyone that is with us here live on YouTube and, of course, everyone listening to the podcast. If you're with us on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. Always appreciate the likes. Make sure you're subscribed. And for everyone listening on the pod, if you can, give us a five-star rating and uh, a little review certainly helps us grow the channel. Um, What's going on? Oh, I see the 18 over par guys are here uh, right now. I will give them a quick shout-out. Did... uh, uh, a fun uh, pod recording with them last night, and uh, that I believe is going to be coming out on a Sunday. I'll uh, I'll tweet it out uh, at Hustlerama, but I might want to give those guys a follow. Uh, very fun. Talked some golf. Talked a bunch of things, including top condiments, which was uh, something I could really get into. But uh, speaking of condiments and uh, food and uh, funny takes, let's get the CTO Michael Remus in here. Remo, what's going on? How are you today? Are you ready for the weekend? I'm here for there's no hockey anymore, so I'm here for the condiment show. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> I just used. Uh, are people gonna get on me that I use like French's uh, mustard instead of like a local made one that I bought at a <laughs> farmer's market? Is that is that allowed? Hey, I, try that smack dab mustard. I've seen that uh, one. Yeah, it, it's it good. Is somebody bought me a jar of it, and uh, it's amazing. I, I couldn't believe how good it is, but yes, I'm still a straight up yellow mustard guy on most uh, on most items. French, I got like four or five different brands of Frenches in my fridge right now, or like sub kinds of Frenches: uh, Bold and Spicy, Honey Dijon, Honey Mustard. Uh, might be missing. Oh, I might be missing one or two. Big but- mustard guy. Well, I did. I mean, I'll I'll I'll, um, I'll, I'll blow it. This is a bit of a spoiler. But the final question I was asked was my favorite condiment. And you know that I am a big relish guy. I don't think relish is versatile enough to be the number one condiment, but I do feel that it's the most underrated. Um, but mustard has to be number one. I mean, I, I a world without mustard, frankly, is a world that I don't want to live in. Yes, absolutely. Uh, sandwiches, hot dogs. Um, you can use it as like a marinade on stuff too. Um, it's great. So big fan. Uh, Listen, lots coming up as we uh, get ready for the program. Um, Well, as I said, Ed Tate's going to join us and we'll get to the CFL talk, uh, bomber talk coming into a training camp opening tomorrow and the big fight on the weekend um, with Conor McGregor. Now, I I will tell you, many of you probably um, 
or were listening, if you're listening on the podcast, we're paying attention to Denis Shapovalov and Novak Djokovic in the Wimbledon men's semifinal. Uh, right now, as we as we get in doing the show live, we're in the third set. Shapo's down to nothing. Lost the first set in a 7-6 tiebreaker and then uh, lost 7-5 in the second set. And Remus, I know you were paying attention. I mean, that first set was there for the taking for the young Canadian. Was up a break, was serving for the set. 30-all, made a brilliant play, had the winning point on his racket and put it out giving Djokovic a a break point. I think he actually saved that one, got it to deuce, but ended up losing the set. And listen, I mean, with an opportunity like that to go up one, nothing as a huge underdog against the number one player of the world, you just simply can't make those unforced errors. And it was simply one point, but that was really all Novak Djokovic needed to get back into that set. And, uh, you know, we're seeing why he is the best player on the planet right now. But Chapo is playing his ass off. I mean, he is really, really grinding. Uh, they're at 3-3 in the third set right now. And even if he does bow out in three sets, I think this will be one of those experiences that will make Denis Shapovalov a much better player going forward because uh, there's no substitute for experience. There's no substitute for competition against the best in the world. And uh, there's certainly something special about doing it under the bright lights of center court at Wimbledon. Yeah, watching the game, I see a lot of people on Twitter getting excited. I know Mitch in chat is uh, is getting uh, fired up. Uh, but yeah, that first set, it was there. He was serving for it. And, um, you know, as you said, had the free point, not a free point, but he had to, you know, put away uh, what a smash or whatever uh, for the gate, for the set and uh, couldn't quite do it. 7-6, seven, 7-5 uh, seven, for Djokovic. It's now 3-3. Three, three. Djokovic, uh, or sorry, Chapeau's serving. Um, I mean, we'll see, but that I agree. I mean, after that first one, you can't be, you know, there's a pretty thin margin of error against a player like Djokovic. And, uh, you can't make mistakes uh, like that and give away uh, points, and it's been a tough one here. Uh, I mean, it's close, but uh, I know sh- at the first set, I was like, you know, maybe I should have bet on Chapo at plus eight hundred. But I was uh, thinking that too. Once I fall off, what he's up a break, he's serving for the first set, and um, you know, it was interesting. John McEnroe was doing the commentary for the match on TSN, and you know, McEnroe sort of thought that you know, Djokovic might be thinking that there'd be some nerves for Chapo and the first set would be sort of quick. Well, it wasn't that. I mean, it was a, I mean, it was a grind right till the end of the tiebreaker. But as I said, I mean, Djokovic was, you know, returning serve facing, um, losing the set right now. Um, so Dennis is hanging in there. I mean, it's been an incredible tournament for him no matter what. Um, but we'll see whether he can get back into this one, maybe win the third set and uh, give us something to pay attention to throughout the program here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, Pliskova and Ash Barty is the women's final tomorrow. Talked about that one on the lock shop earlier today. If you if you missed it, um, by the way, uh, check out your local podcast, your favorite podcast feed. Search Lock Shop. Dusty and I have another edition of that, and we're going in for the next couple months doing Wednesday shows before going back to twice a week once we get into NFL season. Um, sorry, you, you sparked say? a lot of uh, condiment talk in the chat. <laughs> this is the this is crazy. Uh, Tristan Rivers Music says, I feel left out. I try to avoid condiments. It means that the contents of the sandwich is so good that it's not needed. I use condiments to fix subpar meat. I don't know. I feel like a sandwich with condiments is like pretty dry. Tristan, dry. are you telling me like you eat a plain hot dog or a burger? You don't put anything on it? I, I mean, there are some people. Frank the Tank, one of my favorite uh, favorite um, food critics and hot dog connoisseurs on his 
series raw dogging with Frank the Tank actually is another guy that does not put condiments That's on crazy. his dog. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, you could do that, but isn't everything better with, uh, you know, with mustard? Or I got in a huge, huge battle with a friend last night. We were talking about this same conversation I did with the 18 over par guys when we were watching the uh, the basketball game last night. And I didn't realize there was such um, heat between mayonnaise lovers and Miracle Whip lovers. I've always been a Miracle Whip guy, you know, for sandwiches. And, you know, if you're making a tuna sandwich or something like that, I've loved Miracle Whip. But there are some people, like, I'm not sure, is Miracle Whip like a ch- uh, like a craft single as mayonnaise is to like a block of cheddar? Is that yeah. what it is? or yes. is it, it well, that being said, I mean, I guess if you're talking to a cheese, I would probably rather have the good stuff. But when it came to, like, if I'm making a sub or a sandwich or a burger or something, I'm on Team Miracle Whip over than Team uh, Team Mayonnaise. I don't know what your take is on that, Reem. I think I have, like, light mayo or, like, half mayo. I don't know if I'm going full board mayo, but I have I have some, some form in a nice squeeze bottle. I mean... No, I mean hockey off season. Everyone in here is talking about uh, our our condiment uh, rankings. We may need a condiment like draft or something. Yeah, well, I, I'll be honest. I'm happy to not talk about hockey for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had a great season. Everything's finished up right now, and in two weeks it will be. And really, let's face it, next week we'll be talking about the expansion draft. But I mean, expansion draft is what two weeks away. Uh, the or I guess just over two, just under three weeks away. Twenty first is that date. And then of course the entry draft is the 23rd, which is three weeks today. And then we're basically talking reimbursement. but actually, no, that's two weeks today. Wow. Yeah. Holy smokes. It's, I'm ca- getting it's caught up. Get your, uh, start studying the UFA list, uh, start studying the, uh, the expansion draft protect list, the bio list, the bio window is open today. And there's some names, you know, might be bought out, might be not. I was reading on, uh, Pro hockey talk. Who do they have? Uh, Zach Parisi could be bought on. I mean, he's making like five, a lot of money for a couple more years, and he was even playing in the playoffs. Now that could cost them down the line. Uh, James Neal again. That Lucic for Neal trade. I don't think we saw the team getting Lucic, uh, the team that would win that deal. But I think they're both <laughs> they're both uh, losers there. Uh, Tony D'Angelo, not a surprise. You know, basically got booted off of his team uh, in the season. Was Louis Erickson? Vancouver's got to sign Hughes and um, Pedersen, and the Erickson. That was one of that. I think that was the disaster free agent class. And I think there was one more that I had written down here from Pro Hockey Talk. Uh, Shout out to them. Um, oh, Ben Bishop was one that I had never thought of. I guess because he's always injured, and they had uh, Kudo. Yeah. So um, that's another one. So yeah, the bio window, the free agent window. Um, you know, Manitoba's Brett Howden signed today with uh, the Rangers. He was an RFA. Oh, good for Brett. Good for yeah. Brett. I mean, that's a, that's a nice spot for him. I mean, you know, he's really just got to, you know, grind his way and, you know, become a regular in the in that Ranger lineup, which he has been. But they seem to be kind of on the upswing. You know, they're going to add players. They're going to be aggressive with Chris Drury now uh, at the helm. Um, but great to see Brett get a contract and hopefully continue his NHL career there in the Big Apple. Um, Edmonton, speaking of buyouts, and we'll maybe get somebody on from Edmonton to talk about this and maybe at some point next week. James Neal is the obvious the obvious player. Um, the other guy that they've talked about is Miko Koskinen. And Remus, 
another guy that did absolutely nothing for Edmonton that is on the books for another year that I think they probably will move on from, whether they buy out, bury in the minors, trade, is Kyle Turris. And I'll be honest, I remember when he signed in Edmonton last year and we were talking about the center position here in Winnipeg. And, you know, I thought that maybe that was a real shrewd signing by Ken Holland to get Turris in to play in the bottom six as a guy that could score, that could do a lot of things. And um, it just never happened for Turris. I mean, he was basically an afterthought for that club. So, I mean, despite the fact that the Oilers have a lot of cap room, they might have more, but it's not a great thing to have multiple contracts that you're considering buying out. Yeah, it's so funny um, that you mentioned that because I was talking about Edmonton yesterday with some guys and they were saying to me, well, you know, McDavid's making too much money. Uh, he's making 12.5. He's really hurting the team. They're not able to put a good team around him. I was like, no, no, no. Whatever McDavid is making, he's actually underpaid. It's not his fault that the previous GM made terrible trade after terrible trade and signed terrible contracts like the uh, the Koskinen one or uh, what was it, the Lucic signing, which they had to trade for Neil. Um, I mean, who they tell you, not Tyson Berry, he's a UFA. That was actually a good signing last year, but they had all these, uh, you know, bad trades made. And uh, it's not, I don't think, think you can put it on McDavid. I think it was the previous GM, which just lost on every single move that he made. Uh, so <laughs> I'm sure era. There's and, nothing better than the parting gift. Like the day before he gets fired, the Koskinen contract, which today, two years later, they're contemplating buying out. I mean, you can't even write that stuff up. And, you know, for a guy that had success, you know, in Boston and came to Edmonton with so many high hopes, you know, if you have a GM that, you know, makes bold moves that blow up in your face, I mean, it it really puts a puts a team, mm-hmm. you know, behind the eight ball. And despite having Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, it hasn't been enough going forward. That, that being said, I do think this will be a really interesting offseason in particular for the Edmonton Oilers. And I would imagine that team will be uh, set up in a much better situation uh, to contend going into well, next year. They have to have a good offseason because, I mean, how much longer can McDavid toil away? And like not advance in the playoffs. He's the best player in the league. Hart Trophy, you know uh, what? It, it's not called Lester B. Pearson anymore. It's like Mark. Is it Mark Messi? Or is that's the leadership one? Oh, it's Ted Lindsay Award. Ted Lindsay Award. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's the best best player, and they haven't been able to surround him with talent. And at a certain point, he's got to be like, "Come on, guys! Like, what are we? Like, trade me to someone who's going to put together a team." So I know they are clearing up a lot of these bad contracts heading into this offseason. So I think the pressure's on Ken Holland here to get them some good players. Um, Just quickly back to the chat here. We have started a bit of a firestorm with this condiment talk, and especially this Mayo versus Miracle Whip discussion. Jeff Kabilis says, Jeff, what up, Jeff? Oh, yeah, big time heat. Mayo versus Miracle Whip. Jason Jett says it's gross. Uh, Mike from 18 over par says, I grew up a Miracle Whip kid. Uh, Brown Eye Girl, ooh, to Miracle Whip. Mayo Kaziki, too. Uh, we may have to have a poll, Remo. This could there, be there is a poll this, right now. Oh, oh, excellent! Uh, the thirty-two votes right now. Mayo sixty-seven percent. Someone just voted for Miracle Whip at, at thirty-three. So we can run this poll till Aaron uh, comes on with some <laughs> UFC preview. <laughs> you got it. Uh, some other suggestions. Oh, tacos or sandwiches? Uh, and again, we're talking about sandwich etiquette, sandwich toppings here. Tacos certainly in on horseradish mayo. From Superstore is the best. Is that just like a special a horseradish Superstore brand? 
I'm not familiar. Don't spend a lot of time in the traditional grocery stores. Uh, Joe from Winnipeg, I like Frank's Red Hot mixed with mayo. That would be sort of like a buffalo mayo or something like that. Sounds quite good. Mayo, uh, Jetto and Tom, wife buys Hellman's Mayo Costco. My mom always bought that. I just found it kind of too thick. I like the tang of the of the Miracle Whip. Um, and Mitch, leave it to the Godfather to put some sense into this conversation. Mayo and Miracle Whip both have their places. I like both. Don't feel the need to pick one over the other. Finally, a little bit of sense yeah. coming to the program. I actually... Oh, I want to say this. I actually agree, Hess. There's too much shaming on the internet for people who like stuff. Like, like who gives a shit if you don't like pineapple on pizza? Like, who cares? It's a, yeah. it's, it's great. If I like it, like, don't tell me that it's gross. Or if you like dipping fries in mayo. Like, people are, what's the deal with shaming everyone about their food food choice? They don't need to, like, go overboard. I guess that's what the uh, internet is all about. Well, and then speaking of shaming, I mean, it was interesting. You sent me that tweet earlier today. TSN had a little clip from uh, Wimbledon where a, well, let's just call her a heavier set lady, was uh, there at the championships taking in the game and had two large Stella's beers. And she did a great job at finishing the first one, had a little chuckle, and then went starting in on the others. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I... Listen, I'm like, that looks like a woman that I'm envious of her. She's got two big beers mm-hmm. and she's sitting down watching a great sporting event. What what would that what could possibly be wrong with that? And yet, of course, people taking shots looked at her and then at TSN for posting it, saying that they're beer shaming. We don't beer shame around here. I'll tell you that much. Hey, quickly over to the chat. Hey, Craig Smith's here. What up, Craig? Love the show, guys. Looking forward to Ed Tate. He is the best. Um, yeah, Ed is listen, Ed. Great friend of the program. He's been coming on with, with me well, since back. And Gary and I started doing this uh, over 10 years ago. And, you know, when it comes to the Canadian Football League and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, there is simply uh, nobody that has done it as well and as long as Ed Tate. So uh, it's going to be a real, real fun conversation coming up a little bit later on when Ed joins us after we talk to Aaron Bronstetter about the big fight coming up tomorrow with Conor McGregor. Hey, Reem, let's touch on this because we'll ask Ed about this, but uh, I I still cannot believe the news from yesterday. And I I was out watching the game. I got home and saw this tweet from Farhan Lalji. I'm not sure who broke the story, but again, this was from Jeremy O'Day. Riders general manager Jeremy O'Day confirms the following. Wrap your head around this, folks. Larry Dean, Freddie Bishop, Nelson Lacombo, and Jonathan Femi Cole all suffered Achilles injuries believed to be long-term. In a workout within presumably about an hour of each other, the way it was described is that the trainers, like I don't even think coaches were there. Like the training camp hasn't started yet. They were just out going through their workouts, preparing to begin training camp. The first guy goes down with an Achilles injury. He's getting worked on by the trainer, and they just start falling down like dominoes. And... I was talking to Dustin Nielsen about this earlier today. I mean, it it seems almost impossible that you could have, like, never mind the same injury, four guys getting hurt like that in just a workout at the same time. And, uh, man, you have to wonder what this means for the riders going forward. I mean, having Larry Dean out, I mean, the the combo is a high pick. They were counting on him to be part of it. To have something like that happen before you even begin training camp, devastating for a team like the riders. Yeah, it's crazy. And I texted uh, my wife, who's a physiotherapist, and I asked her, I'm like, what's going on here? And 
she obviously needs to know more about it, but I guess for these players who are um, going through a period of inactivity, you come back on the field and you're going to get hurt. Maybe it's a, uh, you know, we saw it in uh, what basketball overuse injuries, baseball. I mean, I think it's a problem in, in all sports here, but especially football with, you know, the high impact again, having not done these maybe physical workouts, you get injured. I think four Achilles, that that's kind of crazy. Maybe it could have been a knee or something else. But uh, it doesn't say that there were tears. It just says injuries, but definitely, um, definitely long term. So uh, that really, yeah, that really sucks for those uh, those players. But I think maybe we'll, we will be seeing a lot of injuries in the CFL just because these guys haven't had contact in uh, like in two years. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, you're right, and that's I mean probably a real cautionary tale to CFL teams as they get ready to open up camp when you have something like that. But I mean, four Achilles injuries amongst a small group of players in the same workout is the most bizarre thing I have ever heard. And, um, you know, we'll have to find out more about the fallout of this, just how it happened and what this means for the riders going forward. We'll get to CFL a little bit later on. First, we're going to talk fights. Going into that, want to uh, give a big shout out to the GOAT of all stores. You know it well. Royal Sports, 650 Rally EK, 750 Pemita Highway. Euro final is on Sunday. I talked to Greg last night from Royal. Uh, let's just say business has been brisk for Italy and England merch this week. Uh, if you're jumping on the bandwagon or you need to, you know, get a little bit more to fly the flag, if you will, on the weekend. Uh, they might still have some stock left, but as we said, it's been going fast. But when it comes to merchandise and anything to do with soccer, Royal Sports has it all for you. And while you're there, check out the incredible bike section, uh, the expanded camping section as well. Obviously, fitness and you know, hockey, baseball, it, they have it all. And when it comes to licensed merchandise, whether you're talking about soccer, NHL, NFL, NBA, they've got it all there as well. Pop by Royal Sports this weekend. We'll see if uh, there might be a tent sale coming up soon as restrictions get loosened. But right now, you know it. If it's sports, Royal has it 750 Pemina Highway. And a big shout out to our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, St. Anne's, and Polo Park. Um, did have a conversation with the guys last night on the top blizzard. We won't get that. I don't think the chat can handle that controversial topic right now. Uh, we can tell you if you're getting together, for with some folks on the weekend would be a great idea to pick up a DQ cake. You can order in advance through the Nick and Nikki group on Instagram at DQ Manitoba and pop by on the weekend with the fam, grab a blizzard, grab a ultimate grill burger and much more with our friends from Nick and Nikki DQ. And of course, the Boston Pizza lounges are back open. The patios will be rocking. They've got the new summer menu, including the White Sangria Smash, the Bulldog Margarita Fishbowl, the Galaxy Fishbowl, and the Peachy Mojito Royale, as well as the Busy Hard Seltzer. And while you're there, eh, they might sell a few of these on Sunday. The new Burger Italiano. And, of course, this is a big Winnipeg thing. Uh, Coast to Coast, though, now in the menu, the Honey Dill Fried Chicken Sandwich. The new summer menu is here at your local Boston Pizza. All right, let's get ready to step into the octagon with the one and only our great friend, TSN's Aaron Bronstetter, who is all over McGregor Poirier, the big event on the weekend. Aaron, thanks so much for doing this, man. It's great to talk to you again. How's things, pal? Things are good. I thought you were going to throw it to the goat of all sports reporters and call me that, but you're talking yeah. about the goat of all sports stores. So <laughs> I, I, for a moment, I was flattered, and then I was flabbergasted. But 
Uh, and also, the score blizzard is the number one in my power rankings. But uh, let, let's let's get going. Let's talk UFC. Well, you know, for sure. Listen, Dan, uh, you certainly are up there. Certainly the goat of our friends on the program. It's great to have you back. And, and I just... Lawless. And first off, well, Gary, of course, Gary's in a special category because he's both a friend, a goat, but also a nemesis at times as well. But um, great times. And uh, man, this is uh, you've been doing such great content all week long. The, the buzz about this UFC event um, is as big as any I can remember in a long time. And I guess that's just sort of par for the course when the main event includes Conor McGregor, regardless of what he's been up to. Yeah, absolutely. And this one will be the third highest grossing bo- at, at the box office for the UFC behind two other McGregor events, of course, and uh, apparently is is on its way to breaking two million pay-per-view buys. So, I mean, this is uh, certainly a big one. And I think that having Connor having just lost to Poirier less than six months ago, uh, there's a, a massive appetite to see what happens in this one. You know what, just quickly for folks that maybe don't follow it too closely, this is the third fight in a trilogy. Give us the history between these two fighters. All right, yeah, so over six years ago, they met for the first time. It was in the featherweight division, 145 pounds, and Poirier used to just kill himself to make 145 pounds. He used to cut from like 190 to 145 pounds, which is just a, it's an absurd amount of weight to have to cut uh, over the course of fight week. And uh, as a result of that, and of course, I think a result of him being young, uh, letting the external factors get to him. He was just overwhelmed by Conor McGregor the first time around. McGregor was on the rise. Poirier was also on the rise at the time, but he, he just couldn't deal with everything that came with fighting Conor McGregor at that time. And McGregor scored a first-round knockout on him. Six years later, Poirier has now beaten the best of the best lightweights in the world, except for uh, Habib, who's now retired. But he beat Justin Gaethje, beat Eddie Alvarez, beat uh, perhaps the greatest featherweight of all time in Max Holloway. Uh in just these these incredible fights where he had to overcome so much adversity. And during that time, we saw what happened with McGregor. He ended up winning two titles, but he was also away from the game for some time. And, uh, you know, some a credentialed member of the media yesterday pointed out uh, at the press conference that uh, McGregor has only won one time since the Obama administration, right? So he hasn't been as active as Poirier has been. In the last fight, Poirier showed that. He showed the experience. He was able to weather the earlier storm from McGregor, uh, use the calf kicks to perfection to slow McGregor down, and then scored a, a pretty ferocious knockout, the first person to knock out uh, Conor McGregor in mixed martial arts. So uh, a very, very exciting uh, time for Dustin Poirier right now. And I think that uh, he's got a ton of momentum. It doesn't seem like Conor's antics are getting to him this week, and I'm, that's why I'm really excited for this one. I think we're just going to get a fantastic fight. Well, speaking of the antics, and maybe this was the new humble McGregor coming out of some of the nonsense that he'd been perpetrating before. But going into the second fight, he was sort of humble Connor and, uh, you know, looking for a fight. Then he got knocked out. That was not humble Connor yesterday. He's talking about the guy's wife. He's taking his social media. This is the sort of guy. Is this all just selling the fight or is he uh, trying to take a different way of maybe getting inside Poirier's head because he didn't do it last time and he ended up on his ass? I think he's legitimately upset with uh, Dustin Poirier. They had a bit of a beef regarding a charitable donation that Connor had said that he would make to uh, the Good Fight Foundation, which Dustin Poirier runs. Instead, McGregor kind of circumvented the foundation and ended up still giving a good amount of money to the Boys and Girls Club of Acadiana, Louisiana, which is where Poirier is from. So the money still went to charity, which is great. But uh, that being said, the, the big issue now is that they had this kind of public beef about McGregor's team no longer being in contact with them after the fight and, and possibly shirking on his commitment to make that donation. So 
now there's some bad blood between the two of them. And, you know, because of that, Connor is now getting back into his old form. He's, he's calling he's calling out Poirier, saying it was a fluke, saying that he had rocked Poirier time, multiple times in that fight. So we're back to the old histrionics and the bravado that made Conor McGregor who he was. But Dustin Poirier was not taking the bait yesterday. In fact, he was throwing out some pretty sharp barbs of his own. And uh, that always seems to be a thing that McGregor is able to do is get in his opponent's head. I don't think that Poirier is phased whatsoever. In fact, I think Poirier got off light yesterday. Conor McGregor, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, he's the biggest star in the history of the UFC. Oh, absolutely. It's not close. So, you know, considering what he's done, the champ champ, the money, the highest grossing athlete ever, he was the highest grossing athlete, period, a couple of years ago. What is at stake right now for Connor? Is he fighting for his legacy? Is this a matter of getting back into title matches right now? Or is this just about going into big fights and continue to be a money-making machine for Dana White in the UFC? Well, I think for him, it's the proof that he's still one of the best fighters in the world. Because to me, Poirier is the best lightweight in the world, not named Khabib Nurmagomedov, who's now retired. And if he can beat Dustin Poirier, and I had predicted in the last fight that Poirier would win inside the distance, and that's what he did because I knew how good Poirier was at that point in time, and people were writing Poirier off for some reason, even though he had beaten the best of the best guys in the division prior to that. Uh, I think that this is all ego for McGregor. He just wants to prove to himself that he that he's still among the best in the world. In terms of his legacy, I don't think that, and I keep saying this, and I don't think a lot of people agree with me here, but I don't think that his legacy takes a hit one way or the other. I think that if he loses the fight, his legacy is still the first guy to become a two-division champion simultaneously and the biggest earner in the history of the sport, someone who transcended the sport. And I think that if he wins, that legacy remains the same. I don't think, aside from adding to his resume, I, I don't think that it does much for his legacy either. I think another championship is, is needed to help boost that legacy, maybe even a third division title to, to boost his legacy in terms of his in-cage accomplishments. So I, I think that win or lose, Connor's still in a good pos- uh, position. He might end up having a trilogy fight with Nate Diaz if he loses. That could be a bigger fight than this one. So... I don't think Conor McGregor is going away anytime soon. I don't think it hurts his marketability. Maybe his stock in the fight game, sure. But I I don't think that it does too much from one way or another. Well, speaking of marketability, and at the end, this business is all about money. Can can you put into perspective just how much bigger having McGregor on a card is? Because this is a stacked card. I mean, there's some other top fighters, people that even the casual fans know. But... What does McGregor, what's the McGregor bump to the UFC and how much money is involved for a event like this that will be the biggest one of the 2021 calendar for Dana White? Oh, it's massive. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, this is going to be their third highest grossing event that they've ever done. It's going to do over $15 million at the box office, which is just that it's a, it's a massive number. And then for pay-per-views, if it does $2 million, two million buys, I think that's their second biggest of all time, right? So, I mean, this is big business for the UFC. And I, again, I think for the UFC, win or lose, they still have a phenomenal commodity with Conor McGregor that can still do big fights. In fact, if he loses and ends up doing a DS fight, I think that's bigger than if he wins and ends up fighting for the championship again, honestly, in terms of just numbers, in terms of intrigue. So I think either way, the UFC are kind of covered here. Yeah, and, and I mean, the two McGregor-Diaz fights were were legendary, and... Diaz is such a unique guy. I mean, you're right. That's sort of one of those matches. It doesn't really matter if it's for a title. If you tell the any casual MMA fan that it's going to be McGregor and Diaz, they'll be ponying up and they will be uh, they will be paying it. Um, as far as this fight goes, though, for Poirier, um, you know, you mentioned he is sort of the top dog right now. That's not named Khabib, and Khabib's retired going forward. What does a win? over McGregor mean for Poirier going forward when, you know, in the landscape of the UFC? 
Yeah, I think it's massive for Poirier's legacy to have righted that wrong and, and beaten McGregor twice in a row. I think that he will be a favorite against Charles Oliveira if he ends up getting this win against uh, McGregor. And then I think if he ends up winning a championship, you can regard him as the second greatest lightweight of all time. I, I, if you look at the resume, two wins over McGregor, win over Gaethje, win over Alvarez, win over Pettis, win over Holloway. It's just a fantastic... It might even be better than Khabib's resume, except Khabib has beaten Poirier. So, you know, you have to take that into account. But Poirier, I think, is, I think he's already one of the all-time great lightweights. But I think that if he gets a win and ends up winning the title, I mean, you have to put him at number two. Is Habib really done? I mean, have we seen the last of Habib? Um, it, I mean, he was on the top of his game, but uh, there was so much more to it. His background, his culture, the passing of his father, it seemed like that all played into it. I think so. I don't think we're going to see Habib compete again. I, I mean, there's so much money that's on the table right now for him to come back and compete. He just doesn't seem interested. He just doesn't see what, what the upside would be. He's beaten Poirier. He's beaten McGregor. Yeah, I mean, he may be a Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira reels off five more wins in a row or something and becomes... Because really, stylistically, Charles Oliveira is a nightmare matchup for Habib. It's probably the worst matchup for Habib out there. But I don't think Habib feels like he has anything left to prove. Uh, Joe from Winnipeg asking, where can one watch this UFC match? It absolutely is pay-per-view. And unfortunately, uh, because of the uh, restrictions that are still in effect right now in Manitoba and won't change until next week, and we don't even know what the changes will be, Bars are closing at 10. Main event will be far beyond that. So uh, you will have to get together at a house or order it yourself to uh, to watch it. Aaron Bronsteader is with us. Aaron, before we uh, talk about some of these other fights on the card, you mentioned this will be the third highest grossing UFC event ever. What are the top two? The top two would be UFC 205 is number two. That's McGregor versus Alvarez, the first event they ever did at Madison Square Garden. And then Khabib versus Connor is number one. UFC 229 uh, did over $17 million at the box office. Like when Conor retires, are we going to look at the top grossing events of UFC history and see Conor McGregor in like the top five or top six fights? Uh, yeah, probably. I don't know what uh, are four and five, but I would have to imagine McGregor was involved in those ones as well. I don't know for sure, but because they have had stadium shows, like they had the, the show, the two stadium shows in Australia, Rousey versus Holm and um, Adesanya against Whitaker. And they also had the Roger Center show. But uh, looking, I, I remember looking at the actual gates for those ones. They, they weren't even close to these ones. So. I think the McGregor fights in Vegas are probably going to be among the best. Well, we had uh, we did the lock shop earlier today with Dustin Nielsen. I know you popped on his show this morning, and uh, our pal Chris Abbott from Coolbet is in Vegas right now. And it was kind of funny hearing him, you know, kind of say what it's like there. He's like, COVID does not exist. There's no mask. There's no nothing. And this event right now, I mean, face value tickets, if you can get your hands on them, are in and around two thousand dollars, Aaron. Just to give people an idea about the demand for this and. Listen, if you want to get it on the secondary market, you might have to mortgage the house or sell one of your if you sell your firstborn to get into that building. Uh, the hype for this one and the demand for it is already there. And then when you add in the fact that just sort of coming out of the pandemic era with full stands and people being able to do what they want to do, you add that all together. And uh, it's a big fight feel in Las Vegas right now. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I don't think there are tickets available at face value anymore. I think you have to go to the secondary market. And the last time I looked, the cheapest pair of tickets for sitting, not standing room, but sitting tickets, seated tickets, were, I believe, $1,100 US each for, per ticket. So, and that's, those are nosebleeds. I mean, so, and then if you look at the floors, I think the, I think the lowest price floors seats were in the $7,000 each range US. So, it's a, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a cheap date if uh, you want to go and see this fight live. If you're with us in the chat, hit the thumbs up, give us a like, and let us know if you got Conor McGregor or Dustin Poirier in the chat. Uh, are you going back with Poirier to uh, get it done again, Aaron? Is that where the smart money is? 
Um, I, I don't know where the smart money is necessarily. I do know that last week's 60, according to my uh, my colleague at betonline.ag, which is an offshore betting uh, website, 65% of the money was on Poirier. And now as of today, 55% of the money is on Conor McGregor. So McGregor's getting that late steam like he always does before fights. If you recall, when he boxed against Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather got bet all the way down to minus 275, <laughs> which is just an absolute <laughs> gift. I mean, we all should have mortgaged our homes on that one, but... Uh, taking a second mortgage, rather. But yeah, uh, I think more money is going to start coming in on McGregor. So if you like Poirier, wait. Wait until tomorrow afternoon or, or when the event starts because I think that that number is going to get closer to even money. I do like Poirier here. I think that this fight is going to be a little bit different. I think it's going to be a slower-paced fight to open up, similar to when uh, McGregor fought Diaz. Diaz, he was very, very careful with each shot that he took. It was a you know kind of a shot-for-shot shot type fight. I think we're going to see this fight enter the third round, and then I think we're going to see Poirier run away with it at some point in the third or fourth. I think that the volume is going to be too much for McGregor. I think his his power shots are going to lose a little bit of their steam, and uh, that's when we're going to see Poirier get it done in the third or fourth. Aaron Bronstetter with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You mentioned that Mayweather-McGregor fight. Uh, I heard you on with our friend Pat Mayo earlier this week. Did you seriously call your wife and say, listen, this number is so good. Maybe we should, uh, as a family, go into a large investment on one pretty boy Floyd Mayweather. How did that yep. conversation go? <laughs> yep, I, uh, that, that was a real conversation. And my wife basically said, like, well, if you really think so, sure. She always does that. She puts the ball in my court. And then I like have to think, oh, I've got to go to the bank. i got to get figure out how to get money while I'm in the States. i got to... And then if I lose, I mean, then what? Am I sleeping on the couch for a month? And then you're putting more risk than just financial on the line for uh, that situation. Although that to me was as close to a lock as you could possibly get. And at that kind of, if you can get a lock at minus 275 or minus 300, you know, you get, let's get, let, you throw away the keys, baby. Let's let that lock ride. Um, speaking of betting, uh, right now we've got Poirier at minus 127, minus 125, McGregor in it about plus 117. Uh, you mentioned early betting was on Poirier. But McGregor, it, McGregor is someone that just the average casual fan wants to bet on and watch and cheer for because he's Conor McGregor. If you want to bet Poirier, we, should we wait? I mean, is that something you think, you know, waiting until yeah. Saturday closer to the fight is probably the time when you get the best number? Well, the lines will always tighten on fight day, regardless of who you like, um, unless one of somebody gets major steam. But yeah, I think we're going to see this fight close to even money um, when the event starts. And uh, the the closer it gets the fight time, I think you're usually as it gets closer, they'll they'll move the line one way. But again, in the early hours of the fight card, I think it's probably the best time if you like Poirier. I think it'll get close to even money at that point in time, probably around minus one fifteen for Poirier, minus one oh five for McGregor, something along those lines. Um, Aaron, let's talk about some of the other fights because overall, this card is is pretty stacked, isn't it? As far as UFC events go, um, it's it's okay. I mean, any fight card with Conor McGregor is is usually lately when they've been booking mcgregor is usually a one fight card like a like that's by far the biggest fight on the card but i love the ufc's fights in general like i the, the level of competition is so high but uh, i wouldn't say i wouldn't call it a stacked card uh outside of the main event it's a good um, card. sugar sean o'malley's in there is this a new opponent for him is they're just putting in a jobber as it were he is um i can't remember the last time i saw a guy that was minus 1250 yeah, on the men's side, you rarely see a minus twelve fifty in the UFC, um, and you, you know this is basically a short notice opponent. O'Malley's opponent, Luis Smolka, recently suffered an injury and had to get withdrawn from the fight. So uh, now suddenly you've got this new guy, Chris Matinho, being called into action here, and 
if you want value on this fight, if you're looking for a spot on this particular fight, O'Malley by submission is plus 1,200. And O'Malley's a phenomenal grappler who rarely uses his grappling. And this is the kind of fight where you can kind of show off your chops and, and show a complete, well-rounded game and kind of have your way with a, a less qualified opponent. So I, I love that number if you want like some, some major... If you want to throw a dart at the board, like I say, um, I, would, I would recommend a little sprinkle on that one at plus 1,200. All right, let me ask you about two other fights before we finish up. You've got the Wonder Boys, Stephen Thompson and Gilbert Burns. The one thing's interesting is a lot of these fights, I mean, the lines are relatively close. I mean, uh, Wonder Boys minus 152, Burns plus 129. Uh, just give us a quick synopsis of this fight. Yeah, this is a great fight because uh, Stephen Thompson's never fought the champion, Kamaru Usman, and is an interesting matchup. For Usman, stylistically, although he is 38 years old and he has fought twice for the title previously, and now Burns just fought Usman. He's coming off a loss to his former training partner. Now these guys are going to go toe-to-toe. And I think for Stephen Thompson, this is kind of a must-win because at 38 years old, I don't know if he's going to get another title shot if he doesn't win this fight. And for Burns, I just have seen so much improvement in his game. When he moved up from 155 to 170, his power really moved over to 170. His striking's gotten a lot better, and he's one of the best grapplers in the UFC to boast. So I like Burns here as an underdog. I think you're getting good value on him. I would actually favor him in this fight. That's why if you get him as an underdog, I think you're getting good value. Well, plus 129 right now on CoolBet. Um, now, the other fight that I'm interested in, probably if you're off for all the wrong reasons, is Greg Hardy and Tai Tuivasa. We all know Greg Hardy is one of the biggest reprobates in all of sports, um, and he is sort of owned it, I guess, now that he's been. He kind of realizes that it's probably good for you know his marketability in a weird way in the UFC is sort of a bad guy. Um, he's plus 117, Tuivasa minus 137. These are big dudes. Um, what do you make of this matchup right now, and Will uh, will karma come to rest with Greg Hardy being flat on his ass on Saturday night? Well, Tai Tuivasa is a heavy hitter, but there's going to be a pretty big size discrepancy uh, in height for this one. I think that you're going to see Greg Hardy get a lot out of a lot of range here. I think that Hardy by decision is the best way to look at this one at plus three seventy five. Hardy's become a lot more of a tactical fighter. You know, early on in his career, he was just his physicality was just not was too much for a lot of these guys on the regional level, and he was able to knock them out. But that power hasn't been his greatest weapon in the UFC. It's actually been his tactics. He's been very good at conserving his energy, using his, a tactical approach, starting to utilize takedowns and grappling. And I think that in this fight, Hardy can outpoint Tuivasa here. But, uh, you know, if you can find odds on Tuivasa um, to win and scorecards equals no action, that's probably the way I would play Tuivasa. I don't think Tuivasa is going to win a decision over Greg Hardy, but I do think that there is knockout potential for him. Uh, you know, just looking at some highlights of two of us's former fights, he certainly can kick. Um, how important will that be against a guy that, you know, what, you know, has only been in this game for a couple of years? Yeah, it's always important to have the kind of power that Tuivasa has. Uh, it, you know, it, it's one of those things where you can't really put um, a level on it until you actually get hit with that power. And I think that he will hit er- hit Hardy early. That's going to be his best chance to put Hardy away is early on in this fight because his power doesn't continue throughout the fight. He seems to lose a little bit of that luster and a little bit of that power as the fight goes on. So I think that that's going to be his best path to victory is an early finish. And uh, if not, I, again, I like Hardy by decision. I think at three, plus 375, you're getting good value on him there. Um, before we go, is there a, a fight that we didn't mention that you've got a strong lean on one way or the other? Um, in terms of a strong lean, I, I like the over in the Drikas Duplices versus Trevin Giles fight. I think it's around even money. Um, I think that that fight goes to a decision. So uh, that, would, that was one of my TSN edge picks. So I, I would go with that one uh, if you're looking for value. And if you're looking for something that's just going to be fun to watch on TSN, we're going to have Nico Price 
against Michelle Peheja. These guys are just two complete wild men. And if you want to watch a fun and entertaining fight, this like Peheja does backflips during fights and lands on people and does all kinds <laughs> of wacky stuff. So if you want to watch a really interesting fight, go make sure you're on TSN for the prelim card and, and wait for uh, Peheja versus Nico Price because that's a guaranteed entertainment fight. Uh, do you have a pick in that one? I see Price is an underdog plus 136, Peheja minus 159. Too much volatility. I'm going to stay away. <laughs> right on. Aaron, um, you know, you've been all over this all week long under the weigh-ins. Um, what do you have? Imagine popping in on SportsCenter and uh, what's on TSN tomorrow before they get going with the pay-per-view. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to be doing pre on SportsCenter because I think we have uh, an essay of some sort that we're airing. But uh, I'll be on post as soon as the event ends. Go over to SportsCenter. You'll see myself and Robin Black breaking down everything that happens. Um, I do a, a pre-show on uh, Twitter Live about 30 minutes before the event starts. If you want to hear about it from a, a betting perspective, I, I talk with Dan Tom from an MMA junkie who's one of the best analysts in the game in terms of uh, X's and O's and, and utilizing that information from a betting perspective. So you can check that out on Twitter live about 30 minutes before the early prelim starts. So I think that's around 5.30 tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. If you're not following already, you should be. It's at Aaron Bronstetter. Check out his great work at TSN. Abron, thanks for doing this, man. Great to catch up. Enjoy the fights, and let's do this again soon. Yes, sir. I mean, it's going to be a, a calm summer, so if you need any UFC talks as an event every week, I'm here for you. <laughs> right on. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, pal. Uh, great to have Aaron back on the program. A great friend of ours. Used to spend a lot of time with Aaron uh, on Super Bowl Radio Row back when we were doing that. He was there with the Landsberg and the Toronto guys and uh, got a chance to meet him there. It's just been great to see how he has you know, continued to grow as a journalist and really the go-to guy when it comes to uh, MMA news for TSN, along with the former Winnipegger, Robin Black. All right, we're going to get to some CFL talk in just a second. Um, Before we do that, I do want to thank Not Autocorp for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk from day one. Why not get into the vehicle of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Pop down and see them at Waverly and McGilvery, or find out more on what's in stock over online at not.ca. All makes and models, best selection of Teslas in the city for years, uh, award-winning service department, car detailing, and so much more. Whatever you need, pop over to Not. And if you're thinking about getting a new ride, but you're in a lease or you've got a car that you know you need to sell to move on, talk to them about their consignment program. Incredibly successful helping their customers get max value for their cars. Uh, of course, the weekend is here. The weather's going to be nice. May I suggest stepping it up a notch with the new summer lager from Little Brown Jug. Uh, it's there in the summer variety pack. You'll also be able to try the amazing new Hefeweizen in addition to the standard when it comes to local beers here in Winnipeg. That, of course, being the Little Brown Jug 1919. You can get it delivered right to your home as part of their great home delivery, same day in Winnipeg. That's all there at littlebrownjug.ca. Check out their merch as well. And of course, now that the uh, restrictions have been relaxed, the tap room is open. Pop by. They've got an incredible facility down on uh, William Avenue. You can see where all the beer's made. You can pick up whatever you want and enjoy some uh, cold little brown jugs and a couple slices of pizza out in the tap room on their beautiful patio out on William. So it's open right now. It'll be a great spot to add in to your weekly itinerary. And a big shout out to uh, Braxton Coots over at Breezy Bend. We mentioned yesterday that he won the junior yesterday. I know everyone over at Breezy really proud. Uh, Corey Johnson, the GM, mentioned that uh, they are so excited 
uh, for his big win. And the Manitoba mid-amateur is starting today. Ten breezy members in the field, including defending champion Alan McDonald, my pal, the people's champ, Justin McDonald, and uh, Eric Johnson, who won it in 2019. And uh, a lot of people talking about uh, Ryan Schulte, another breezy member. So breezy guys will be... uh, Getting after it at the mid-am. Good luck to everyone playing out there. And if you're thinking about a great spot for you and your family to uh, golf together next year, a wonderful junior program, as you can see with the uh, junior champ yesterday, great ladies program, men's night. They've got it all in the best patio at a golf course in the city as well. All over at Breezy Bend. Check them out at breezybend.ca. All right. Training camp begins tomorrow. The CFL is finally back. I got to the stadium on Wednesday checking in the soccer game, and all I could think about was August 5th, Bombers, Ticats, getting back to IG Field and to get ready for Bomber training camp. There's no one better to talk about it with than the great Ed Tate, who joins us now from BlueBombers.com. Eddie, what's up? Great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, huh? Say, those... uh... Aerial shots of Breezy Ben were pretty cool in that little video. Well done. I, I had played there many times. That's uh, That looked cool, though. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's night. I give a lot of credit to the CTO, my partner, Michael Remus. We've been able to uh, kind of, you know, try to, try to do everything we can for our sponsors, show it off. And if we're on YouTube, we've got video anyways. May as well show some of it. But uh, course is looking great right now. They've done some great work on it. And uh, that being said, the uh, time for golf is probably over for you because it's time to get back to work, huh? How excited is everyone around Blue Bomber HQ that things are uh, things are happening and uh, we got a team back and they'll be on the field tomorrow? Yeah, you know, uh, I've been using the analogy. It's like Christmas Eve for a lot of us. Uh, I'm I'm pretty giddy about uh, the opening of camp. Uh, I know it's a little strange because it's been so dark. For so long, right? There'd be times where I'd pop into the office occasionally and there'd be nobody down in the football operations department. So it's just good to see people back again and, and in the building. And um, there's going to be a lot of people that are pretty jacked up just to get back at practice again and, and, and to see each other. So it's like uh, I keep saying it's Christmas Eve for a lot of us. Well, it's uh, it's been a long just Before we get into this, well, what's this? You're an experienced journalist. You've you know worked in a number of different roles. You've been with the Bombers for a few years. I mean, what's what's it been like for you? I mean, the last time this team played a football game, they ended a 29 year drought, raised the Great Cup. We had the greatest celebration maybe ever in this city, and then everything stopped. Uh, probably still bizarre, even just thinking what I mean. Everyone's been through, but specifically working in the CFL over the course of an unprecedented timeout. Yeah, you know, it's been like night and day. I, I can still remember the Great Cup Parade being down at the Forks, and one of the images that pops into my head is uh, Jake Thomas doing the body surf uh, dive into the crowd there uh, when they were doing this celebration. And of course, Chris Strubler doing his thing, Jamarcus Hardrick on the drums that he stole from the band behind him. So you go from that, that absolute high, right, to there's momentum being built in the off season, that off season, January, February, the merchandise is flying off the shelves. Tickets are, are going well. And then boom, it just comes to a stop. And so you start to worry, you know, you know, and, uh, it, and then as uh, the summer came along, we thought there was going to be a bubble season. The plug gets pulled on that. And then you really start to worry. And so for a guy like me that loves this league so much, started to worry about the future of the league. And, you know, you start worrying about your own job. And I know a lot of people have gone through 
um, similar situations and lost jobs. It's been hard on a lot of people. So to go through all that in just over, you know, whatever it is, how many months it is, it, it's, it's been hard. And I think that's all kind of bled into what we're expecting tomorrow, the excitement and the return. It's going to look a little bit different tomorrow when training camp opens, um, but it's just exciting to be back again. Well, amen to that. And uh, as I mentioned uh, before we brought you on, um, got my uh, got my card on Tuesday, so um, I did not want to miss an opportunity to get back to the stadium, went out and took in the Valor game on Wednesday, and you know, it was just it was a glorious night. I mean, unfortunate that they got absolutely hosed on that BS call late in the, late in the second half that would have tied the game. What a goal that was. But yeah. honestly, the score almost was secondary. It was about getting back. It was seeing fans. And I'll be honest, half the time I was just looking around going, August 5th, this is going to be awesome. Hey, before we talk about Bombers training camp and what we'll be looking for when things get going tomorrow, the big news this week, and I'm interested in your thoughts on it, um, was the announcement from the CFL that um, all of these talks, the formal discussions with the XFL were uh, were done, at least uh, at this time. What did you make of the statement and um, your thoughts on all of that? And what does this mean for the league going into kickoff on the 5th of August? Well, when the statement initially came out, I was a bit surprised because um, I I didn't think they would cut off things the way they did. I just thought maybe they would shelve it and maybe ultimately that's what they're going to do. You know, as a diehard of the league, uh, I didn't want to see anything given away. I didn't want to see, you know, the change to four downs or the the, the U.S. sized field. Uh, there's all these things that make the game unique, and you can be fans of both leagues. I don't understand why people think it's a choice that you have to pick one or the other. I, I love all football, man. I love watching the Charleswood Broncos when my kids played for them here. I love watching high school football. I don't know why you can't like it all, um, it, it, but. I'm in a way as a traditionalist, I'm glad that uh, this step has been taken because it means we can just focus on what's immediately ahead of us. And and I think that's the, um, you know, the 2021 season. And I, and I know it's not, they're saying it's not related, but I think part of what has happened with the single game betting act being passed is part of this too, because I think it's going to give some Canadian football league teams uh, and other sports teams too, so, uh, you know, a bit of a financial windfall that that maybe takes this league from being, you know, you know, a, kind of a hand to mouth operation financially to something that's got a little bit more stability. So, um, I, again, initially surprised that the, they pushed away from the table because you always have to, you know, explore all options. But uh, for a traditionalist like me, I'm glad that we're. Just going to focus on what's right ahead here. We need this right now. So let's get back to that and, and worry about that. Yeah, no, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, you know, it was concerning to hear that because, I mean, from my perspective, not being on the inside, not having information. When I heard that, the fact that they were going down that road, it, it you know, to me, it painted such a dire picture of where the league was. And um, I really do think there's some opportunities for this league to, to bounce back better mm-hmm. than it was before. Um, and I realize they're different markets. I have a lot of confidence that that'll be the case here in Winnipeg. Um, you know, you'll hope that that will be elsewhere in the league as well. Um, you know, sometimes absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I think, you know, just the fact that, you know, people haven't been able to do anything for 18 months. Uh, hopefully there'll be some people go, yeah, maybe I will go check on an Argos game or an Alouettes game. And hopefully, hopefully become regulars. One other thing before we get to the Bombers. My head is still spinning from this report yesterday out of Regina. 
four oh. players going down with Achilles injuries in the same workout. I mean, Ed, that, that's the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. It's tragic for the players involved. It's devastating for the riders. But I imagine that the unique situation these teams are in going into training camp, that must have sent shivers down the spine of every football ops person in the league, considering, you know, they're all starting tomorrow. And if that bizarre situation could happen in Saskatchewan to four players, uh, I imagine everyone might be on pins and needles for the first few workouts, hoping to just get guys through healthy and in one piece. Yeah, it, 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 you used the word bizarre. It really was bizarre what happened in, in Regina yesterday with four guys going down with an Achilles injury. Like, I've been covering the Bombers since 1990, Huss, and I can, I can think of maybe four or five guys in all that time that suffered Achilles injuries, let alone not just the same season, the same day. It's bizarre. Um, I think that um, it probably sent, uh, you know, shockwaves across the league and reminded everybody to do the proper, you know, warm up and be, make sure you're ready to go. The Achilles, an Achilles injury is just so happenstance, right? It's just, uh, it's one of those things where the tendon can snap. It just can come from stretching. It can come from running. It's not anything necessarily related to contact. Um, but I'm, I think this is a concern for teams when you've got this many players that are coming back that haven't uh, played for so long, maybe some of them have been taking care of their bodies, but let's not kid ourselves. Not everybody's going to be a hundred percent in physical condition when this camp starts. I know the bombers had initially planned on taking the first few days to be fitness and conditioning anyway, testing that sort of thing. Um, but I'm, I'd be interested to see if what happened in Regina yesterday impacts what the bombers will try to do on the weekend here. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I mean, we all love everything about the bomber rider rivalry and getting after it on Labor Day and at the Banjo Bowl here in the peg. But um, I, I was I was just thinking about these athletes. I mean, you go oh. through missing a season and you're training yep. to come back. It's been two years since you were on the field and the final workout before. And it just happened to one would be terrible. But I, I mean, it, it almost doesn't seem possible. It doesn't seem real. And I'm sure Rod and the guys in Regina have had a – you know, a tough day today talking about that. And you wonder where you go from there. But unfortunately, this won't be um, the only time we're talking yeah. about some unfortunate injuries before we kind of get to the starting line for this 14-game season. Ed Tate's with us from BlueBombers.com. You can follow him on Twitter at EdTateWFC. Eddie, let's uh, talk about the blue and gold. It's been a long time since we've seen them hoist that great cup, but certainly I think the goal for Kyle Walters was to try to bring back as much of that championship team as possible. Um, to be a little older, but, you know, I've talked to Adam Big Hill and Andrew Harris, both of them saying they've never felt better. They've been a long time since they've been hit. What do you make of the Bombers overall, and how similar will this team look to fans when they get after it against Hamilton as opposed to what we saw in Calgary in November of 2019? Yeah, well, I think everybody's seen the the numbers that all of the offense except Cody Speller is back, um, and Michael Couture is the regular center. He got hurt in the last regular season game and was replaced by Speller. So you could make the case that all 12 starters on offense are back. On defense, no Winston Rose. He's in Cincinnati. Marcus Sales is in BC. Uh, Drake Nevis is in Toronto. Craig Rowe in Toronto. But it, primarily, all those guys are back, too. One of the big holes, of course, is no Justin Medlock. So uh, Mark Leggio, the rookie kicker, is the only kicker coming to camp right now. So that shows you how much faith they have in him. But Michael Shea has said 
that with the condensed season and with no preseason games, he thinks that a lot of teams are going to lean on their veterans because you don't have time to kind of work somebody into the job and, and, and let them grow on the job. You got to be ready from, from the get go. And so I, I expect that when August 5th rolls around, this will still be a very, very veteran dominated team as much as they brought in some really interesting pieces here to challenge all these guys. I'm just not sure if, uh, you can make a case to overtake a, a veteran without preseason games at all to, to shine. So it's going to be interesting because there's so many returning pieces, but I'll tell you what, Danny McManus and Ted Gavaya and the scouting staff and Kyle Walters have done a real good job of bringing people to push him too. You know, um, <laughs> you speak about everybody coming back. There's a couple big changes though, on the offensive side of the football. Number one, Lapo's the head coach of the Ottawa Red Blacks and Buck Pierce is the offensive coordinator. And I think there'll be a pretty good level of continuity because of how closely those two work together and probably how much of Paul's knowledge was passed on, on to Buck. But I'm interested in the absence of Chris Streveler because, you know, if you compare that championship team of 2019 to other CFL teams, the Bombers were sort of a unicorn. Mm -hmm. I mean, they relied on their defense. Um, They relied on the running game far more than any team usually does in the Canadian Football League. And Streveler was such a big, big part of it. Um, How different do you think, even with most of the personnel back, how different will the Bomber offense look as opposed to the way they won it in 2019, Ed? Yeah, it's a real good point, uh, Huss, because what Chris Strever give, gave them was really unique, right? Because uh, he was a quarterback that would come in and he was like a fullback. And, and the way he ran over people, I think of that Banjo Bowl game, I could watch that clip over and over again <laughs> where he goes through about seven guys. Um so there was the uniqueness to what he brought to the offense that, you know, when he was in the game and, and Andrew Harris was still there, you weren't sure who was, uh, or who was going to run the ball or if Strever was going to throw it. So that element is gone. Let, let's face it. There aren't many players like Chris Strebler in, in pro football. I mean, that's partly why he's with Arizona now. Uh, so when Sean McGuire comes into the game, then the number two quarterback now, they're not going to ask him to, you know, tuck the ball away and pound it the way uh, Chris Drebler did. Now he can do that kind of stuff on short yardage, but I just don't think it's going to be an aspect of the offense that's featured regularly. They'll still pound the ball with Andrew Harris behind the best offensive line. So I, I think what might look different without Chris Drebler and with Buck Pearson charges it, you're going to see more pieces rotate in, uh, in the receiving core you might see, you know, a Charles Nelson, a Janarian Grant, or, a, you know, kind of a smaller receiver with speed get in there to, to, to do the things that maybe Lucky Whitehead did a little bit before his play dropped off. Uh, and, and, you know, look, they, they had three different starting quarterbacks in, in 2019, and that was part of the reason why they finished last in passing. And so I think that's a number that they want to really improve. Because you still want to pound the ball and be old school, but I do think that uh, – They'd like to light it up a little bit more offensively through the air, too. Well, I, I think that goes without saying. And, you know, it, it is still bizarre, Ed. Zach Galeros has played one regular season game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. <laughs> I mean, it was a very memorable one, and it ended up in incredible fashion, maybe as a harbiter of things to come. But it's still been one game. And I would suggest, certainly without Streveler, with Caleros in, 
the the way the Bombers move the football becomes less dependent on that running game. And maybe that's a good thing for Andrew Harris at his age, preserving him a little bit more. Uh, when you look at this offense, um, is, does it still start and go through Andrew Harris? Or might we see a more pass-first offense under Zach Caleros when we get going? I, I think it still runs through Andrew Harris. Because, and a lot of that has to do with the guys up front. That That offensive line is going to be exactly the same um, with uh, Jamarcus Hardrick, Stanley Bryant at the tackles, Couture at center, as we mentioned, and Drew Desjardins and Pat Newfeld at guard. I think they just keep pounding it and pounding it and pounding it. But I, you know, they're, it's going to be interesting. Buck Pierce is a quarterback. He was involved in the in the game planning all along here, but he played the position. You know, he knows how to attack defenses, and of course, he wants to attack through the air too. So. I think it's going to be interesting to see what kind of tweaks he does. You know, they're going to move people around. You know, we get locked into thinking of a guy as a slot back or a wide receiver. I think those guys are going to bounce all over the field. And uh, Buck's had a long time here to put his playbook into or make tweaks to the playbook. So, um, and Zach Claris will be a lot more involved. That's going to be one of the interesting storylines, I think, as the season goes, is that you touched on him getting the one start and then winning the three playoff games. Um, so he's got a whole camp now and a chance to, to know Bucks uh, offense and know the players and not be parachuted in at the trade deadline, which made what he did in, in 2019 even more remarkable. I think there's a lot of um, optimism in the Bombers offensive meeting rooms that um, Caleros, if he can stay healthy, could do some real damage with the pieces around him. Well, that's certainly what the hope is. Um, Ed, you, you kind of laid it out. Most of the returning players will be back. I mean, the offense will look very similar with the exception of Chris Strebler. Quarterback, receiving core, running backs. Who are, uh, Tell us about maybe a newcomer or two that you'll be paying attention to during training camp that might not be familiar to Bomber fans. Well, you had Cam Meredith on the other day. and uh, I mean, anybody that's watched the NFL can remember him. I think you guys said you had him in your fantasy pool. He put up some pretty good numbers that one year with the Bears. So that's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, there's a there's a handful of receivers that, that could push. Um, I know that they like Carlton Agadosi. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I'll find out tomorrow if I got it wrong. Uh, you know, one of their draft picks from last year, Brennan O'Leary-Orange, they start two Canadians. In uh, Nick Dembski and Drew Walatarski. So you better have people that are ready to, to come in in case those guys get hurt. Um, you know, they're, they're, there's 27 defensive backs coming to camp. So we talked about the, the two jobs available, starting jobs in the secondary. Uh, part of this is you always got to have bodies in training camp, but 27, that's an awful lot of guys coming in. Uh, for a secondary that was made over, remember at the end of 2019 that they were moving pieces all over the place before they found the right mix. So um, that's going to be an interesting group to keep an eye on. A couple of guys that were in the X- XFL too. So uh, Deatric Nichols was leading the XFL in interceptions when the season got canceled. He's a guy that will push for work. There's a bunch of them. Uh, you know the defensive line's not going to change much, but. Uh, I'm interested to see what Jonathan Congo looks like. He, you know, he was already carved out of stone. He said he's putting on like 16 pounds of muscle. And, uh, you know, he, he he's one of those guys that's heading into his second year. And they talk an awful lot about that in the CFL. The guys that maybe start or get starting time in year one, it takes them a year to figure out all the little intricacies of the game, whether your receiver is the waggle, a defensive back, how to defend the waggle, and, and even a D lineman or an O lineman, how to 
to get used to that, having the yard off the ball. So some of those guys that are going into their second year, um, there'll be a lot expected of them too. Um, one area we haven't touched on, and it often gets overlooked, but it certainly shouldn't, and it's not by the coaches, is special teams. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, Justin Medlock has been Mr. Automatic for the Blue Bombers yep. since he was acquired. And the reason why he was acquired, the Bombers spent that capital, which is far more than you normally pay for a kicker, is because of how problematic it was in the past. Um, this is a, needless to say, excuse the pun, but very big shoes to fill for the kicker. And then you add in a new long snapper as well. How much of a focus will the, the, the third aspect of the game special teams be for Mike O'Shea when things get going? Well, anytime the one of the greatest kickers of all time steps away, then the, the person that steps in is going to have, you know, huge cleats to fill, as they say. Um, I think back to the playoffs. I mean, we all knew that Justin Medlock was good before he, he got to Winnipeg, and he, he did his thing regularly. But think of the playoffs again and how good he was in the cold. And this is, we're talking about a guy from California who lives in Florida, and he was 6 of 7 in the, in the Grey Cup. You know, he kicked some amazing field goals, clutch field goals in that win over Calgary in the, in the playoffs, same thing in the West final. So, um, and, and a very, very underrated punter who worked on that part of his craft right to the end. So look, Mark Leggio, bomber draft pick from last year, Western kid. Um, if you go to his Instagram page, you'll see him crushing field goals that are like, it'll make your jaw drop. Um, but it's different when the lights are on, as they say. And, you know, Mike Benson's a proven long snapper, a Winnipeg guy. I don't think they're too worried about that. Uh, but Mark Leggio, as great as his credentials are, you, we're not really going to know um, how he handles replacing Justin Medlock until August 5th without any preseason games. Got a great leg. And the fact that there's only him in camp and there's no other kickers to challenge him really says to me that this team has a lot of faith in him, even though he's unproven. And will he, uh, I imagine he'll be doing the punting duties yep. as well. Yep. Absolutely. He apparently is pretty good. Uh, and look, I can't say that I watched a lot of Western games. I'm not going to BS people and say, I followed the Mustangs closely, but uh, I've seen his, you know, his numbers were really good in, in college. Um, I'm not sure yet if he's mastered, you know, the, pinning a guy, the team inside the 10 or punting away the directional kicks and stuff that Justin Medlock did so well. But Mark Leggio's had a long time to prepare for that too. So I imagine he's been at a park somewhere in Southern Ontario for the last year and a bit since he's been drafted, uh, doing everything that the the special teams coaches had been asking. Uh, Ed Tate from uh, BlueBombers.com with us, getting ready for Blue Bomber training camp tomorrow. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that there is no competition for that job right now and you know for a rookie some might say that's a bit surprising but I think as we know I mean if you need to fill a position or go somewhere there will be people but for this young man to come into camp filling in you know for Medlock to have the confidence of the organization and the coaching staff right off the bat I think puts him probably in a more comfortable situation going forward but again we all know when the bullets start flying for real it's a production business and there will be a lot of pressure on a young kicker um you know to continue to deliver maybe not exactly what Medlock did, but, but pre reliable because as long as the bombers play that sort of, you know, defense first style, you are going to, you know, need to stack up those points when you're not pushing it in for six. Well, you mentioned it. Remember back in 2016, when the bombers uh, signed Justin Medlock in free agencies, people were saying, are they crazy to spend that much money on a kicker? 
they won an awful lot of tight games over the years because of what Medlock did. You know, the minute you got over center, over the 55-yard line, you're basically in scoring range because he was that consistent. Um, you know, so if you were on the other team's 45, they were, it was almost automatic if the win was normal that he was going to get out there and try to win the game. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the kid handles it. Uh, it ideally... Last year, Medlock would have come back for one more year and Mark Leggio could have learned under him as sort of some kind of kicking savant, you know, that passed on all the wisdom that he has. So that opportunity's lost for, for both Mark Leggio and Justin Medlock to go out in style. But Justin Medlock's last game in the CFL, as we've said, was a six for seven game and a Grey Cup win. So I think he'll live with that. Um, but it's also interesting that not bringing in another guy is maybe a vote of confidence too, right? Don't look over your shoulder. Don't worry about it. Just get out there and kick the ball. We know you can do it. If you bring in another guy and and you go two for four at a practice and the other guy's four for four, maybe that gets into your head. So there's there's probably some of that at play too. Westwood will remind everyone he never retired as well. So we do have another kicker out in the Winnipeg community <laughs> that is only a phone call away. And, uh, and and he would pick up that call and he would show up half an hour later getting ready to kick, I think, as well. Um, Eddie, going into that, let, let me ask you this, and I think this will be interesting for folks, and there's been quite a bit of talk about what the players are going through right now with the one-week quarantine and then getting into it. How is the how are things going to work um, for the players? And are is it different for vaccinated players to non-vaccinated players? I mean, how different is this camp going to be from a logistics standpoint when it comes to the protocols and what the players and the team needs to do to operate safely? Well, I'll, get, uh, I'll probably be able to give you a better sense of that after the weekend. But, you know, the players have been in quarantine. Um and, you know, I'm just looking at the NFL policy, the the rules for fully vaccinated players versus non-fully or non-fully vaccinated players is quite different in terms of their freedoms away from the football field. Uh, but as they, the players have said, the coaches have said that when the Bombers get on the field on Saturday and Sunday in particular, and then leading into more practices next week, it's going to look a lot different, right? Because uh, you've got different health and safety protocols you've got to follow during a practice. So, I, you know, I, Honestly, Huss, I don't know what that's going to look like until we get a, a look at it tomorrow. All I'm being told is that it's going to look different. It's going to be a lot different. You saw Brendan Labatt retire from the, the Riders, not retire, but step away for a year. And one of his criticisms was the the things that the players aren't going to be allowed to do when they go on the road, that you're basically going to have to hang out in your room. You can't go out to dinner with your teammates. Now, you know, I think a lot of this is going to change between now and and August 5th between now and Labor Day. And, and, and let's hope that the, the numbers keep coming down and that the restrictions loosen. And then that will apply to the team too. But it's going to look a lot different when we get on the field tomorrow. Uh, Ed, uh, you obviously follow the, what's going on the rest of the league. It looks like Hamilton and Winnipeg have the most sort of continuity, and that would make mm-hmm. sense because they were the two best teams last year. Um, w- what intrigues you about some of the other spots in the CFL, what are you going to be paying attention to? We're sort of looking forward waiting to hear as we get through training camp before kickoff. Well, let me just uh, kind of rattle off a few things here. So, you know, BC's got a coaching change. Uh, can, can, uh, can Mike Riley, Michael Riley bounce back? So much was expected him in Edmonton, new coach too. And Jamie Elizondo and Trevor Harris got hurt. They got a lot of weapons there. Calgary lost a lot of pieces, but you never, uh, vote them down. 
you know, I was very impressed with Cody Fajardo last year. Uh, as an outsider, I know a lot of people in Regina have faith in him. I wonder if he's a mirage. Some people might, uh, you know, he was a guy that was had bounced around the league before he became a star in Saskatchewan. So is he the real deal? That's something that I would like to see from them. You're right about Hamilton. Montreal is really intriguing. I love what Kahari Jones has done there to build a, build a culture, and Vernon Adams is so exciting. Uh, and Toronto, man, they went out and signed everybody, didn't they? They uh, they have a veteran team, new coach, uh, and Nick Arbuckle, sort of the same situation as Cody Fajardo, is he for real? And then Ottawa, I kind of feel for Lapo because, look, they've they brought in Matt Nichols. They've done some neat things, but they, they've been hammered with their Canadian talent in the last little bit with some of their offensive linemen retiring and then Brad Sinopoli uh, um, retiring as well. So those are huge holes to fill. Um, and that's a big challenge for Lapo before they even get on the field. So, you know, that's kind of my quick look across the league. I hope I didn't forget anybody. It's so small. I better not have forgotten anybody. <laughs> and uh, so what's the schedule for the team? Uh, how are things going to work? You mentioned it's sort of going to be fitness, conditioning, testing. Uh, I imagine yeah. considering what happened in Saskatchewan yesterday, everyone will be uber careful as things get going. Um, uh, what can you tell us about uh, kind of the plan for the first week for uh, the coach? How often the players will be out there and what's going on? Well. So far, all we have, Haas, is the, the schedule for Saturday and Sunday, and it's just the, there's a time slot as if a regular practice. I will say to people that, uh, unfortunately, it's closed to the public because it, that's the same way across the league, and they're just being careful with stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I think it is going to be a lot of fitness, and, and, and just that, that was planned even before what happened in Saskatchewan happened, and I think – uh, they'll get out there and just get a you know gauge to see who, you know who can still run, who can touch their toes, and and uh, and then and cross your fingers that nobody uh, that nobody blows an Achilles out or a knee or anything. And then I think that uh, with no uh, preseason games, what we're going to see in camp is maybe some more one on ones, more situational football where you try to simulate games situations in the course of a practice. It's not like they didn't do that before. But maybe you try to ramp that up a little bit more on a more regular basis to, to really evaluate these guys because guys can run drills, guys can pop in lines and and try to cover a receiver or vice versa. But until you see them in game action with you know eleven other guys around you, it's a lot different than you know a four receivers out running a pass pattern and four DBs covering them and no line play. So they might have to simulate game situations a bit more. Eddie, this might be uh, uh, not your department, but I'll ask you just because Andrew Haleko is asking, uh, you know, with fans not being allowed to go in, many fans used to kind of make a habit mm-hmm. of it, you know, popping in there to see the team. Uh, is there any plans, do you know, of a live streaming of the practices or anything like that for people that do want to watch? Well, it's a good question. So uh, there's a couple of things at play here. Number one, with the CPL kickoff uh season going on at IG field. The the field is already set up for soccer. There's no lines on there for football. So all the practices will be at the soccer complex. Um, And in terms of the live streaming, look, I brought this up before and I got shot down in a hurry and it's, it's, it's just what every coach does. No coach wants to show any of their practice. That's why when the TV crews show up, the window of opportunity for them to film is basically when the team is stretching because they don't want to see it's happened before I've had uh, coaches come to me and say, even a, a photo that we took when I worked at the paper caught something in the background that they didn't want to be seen. So there's no chance 
um, unfortunately, of a live streaming of a practice because you can bet that eight other uh, CFL teams would be watching, and, and that's just how the game works. You know that, Hus. Yeah, no, there's no, no doubt about it. Um, Eddie, just before we go, I realized you know, we talked a lot about Zach Caleros and Sean McGuire. Um, you know, with Strevler out, McGuire was there. Uh, what can you tell us about the battle for the third quarterback spot? Yeah, kind of an interesting one. Again, these guys are kind of going to suffer a little bit with not having preseason action to really to shine. But Dalton Sneed uh, put up huge numbers at the University of Montana, really an intriguing prospect. Uh, and then Drew Brown is a guy that played at both Hawaii and Oklahoma State. And they're kind of similar. Was, I've talked to Buck Pierce about these two guys. They're similar in that uh, they've got that ad lib creativity about them that you want in a CFL quarterback that when the path, the pocket breaks down, they can extend plays by rolling out or tuck it away and run. Now I'm intrigued to see both these guys. I've, you know, gone to the YouTube and, and looked at their highlights and it, and, and it looks pretty impressive, but they're kind of the same player in a way, or they have similar skill sets. So it'll be interesting to see uh, who kind of locks down that third job uh, behind uh, Caleros and, uh, and Sean McGuire. Well, I uh, uh, listen, it, it, it's always neat to see some of those new QBs, but um, in some ways, Zach Calaris is a new QB. Exactly. <laughs> for Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans. Um, uh, how excites Buck to uh, have the reins of the offense and get after it? Well, you know, there, if you talk to anybody in this league, there's not one person that's going to say a bad thing about Buck Pierce. He's first of all, he's a prince of a human being. So there's a lot of people cheering for him. I know he's excited, man. He's probably been drawn up plays since the, well, even before Lapo left, right? I mean, you know, he had to know he was an heir apparent and Lapo's name had been linked to so many head coaching jobs. Um, we asked him recently about this, you know, when you have this much time off, uh, you know, does the playbook start getting thicker and thicker and thicker? Every time you watch a college game or a, an NFL game, you might be thinking, hey, we could use that or maybe we'll use that play. That's a neat variation. Uh, but there comes a certain point where, uh, you can overwhelm uh, players with too much stuff. So I, I think uh, he's pretty jacked up about it. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of people excited about August 5th and for Buck Pierce to get, you know, back in the thick, thick of it and be calling the plays is going to be fun for him too. Well, Eddie, listen, we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, good luck to the Bombers as they get out there. Hopefully, I mean, after what happened, I'm still like, I'm rattled for what happened in Saskatchewan. And I'm a Bomber yeah. guy here in Winnipeg. But, um, you know, we just hope that, you know, not just here, but everywhere, guys, get through these workouts and get ready to get down to business. And uh, listen, the countdown is on to August 5th. We'll hopefully catch up with you beforehand and find out a little bit more about tickets and everything that people need to know before they uh, hopefully get that new uh, shiny Vax card, flash it off with some ID and get into that building. But in the meantime, uh, we'll be paying attention to what's happening in camp and cannot wait to see the champs finally get back on the field at uh, over at IGF and try and uh, do it again. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, you know, I went to the Valor game the other day and it was just the same day that I got my my little, not my card, but the virtual, you know, yep. I got two doses thing and I just flash scanned it at the entrance and I, it showed up. So uh, if you want to get into the building, you got to get the both vaccinations. And, uh, if, you know, if you're a Bomber fan, August 5th can't come soon enough, but make sure that you're fully vaccinated to get into the building. It is going to be so much fun. The Valor game, like I said, it, it's just fun to be back there. And as you said, uh, the, the first night with fans back the other night was so much fun just to hear them. I was watching and listening to them probably more often than I was watching the game, which is a bad thing for me. But it was just fun to see people back and, 
I can't imagine what it'd be like when, when the building is full again. Well, it was, an, it was such a glorious night. I think everyone was. that was there was just had a great feeling of being back there. And yes, the Valor Army, just the atmosphere of those games. I mean, even if it's the crowd wasn't huge, you know, with it you know, being a 9 p.m. game and everything happened so quickly. And, and I, I'm the same way. I mean, I was very interested to see, you know, what it would take to get in and, uh, you know, show your ID, flash it, and scan ticket in it was yeah. super easy and uh and then once you got in we're sitting there with no masks enjoying the enjoying the game it was uh it was just like old times and i gotta tell you i'm just speaking quickly of the soccer team you know despite getting robbed as i mentioned on uh, on wednesday night yeah what a great start for rob and the boys um you know three straight wins to begin the season and uh, uh the team in their infancy uh, had never won two in a row a great great start for uh for valor fc how have you been enjoying uh, being around the soccer club Oh, it's fun. Uh, it's a lot of fun. They've done a nice job of putting together a good team with a lot of different pieces. There's a lot of depth there. They haven't got, had a chance to get everybody available yet. Um, one of their Mexican defenders, uh, Rodrigo Reyes, has just been cleared, so he'll be available for Sunday. Um, you know, if you're not a soccer fan, you should come in and, and try to enjoy it because of the fan experience, as you mentioned, Huss. And if you're a soccer fan and you haven't been to a game yet, you should check it out because the skill level is is really good. There's a lot of these guys that could probably be in the MLS, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. It's it's not I'm not just saying that. I enjoyed watching them last year from the Island Games at PEI, and uh, it's it's really good soccer. Well, and that infamous disallowed goal by that Brazilian dude, number 42, was, I mean, it was a world-class strike and, uh, you know, which made the terrible call that much harder, I think, for everybody to swallow. Uh, yeah. But I'll tell you what, um, 1230, uh, if you don't want to go Sunday at 1230, I see Taylor's going to be there Sunday. Let's go. And uh, it might be, it would have been nice if it was just a little earlier for those soccer fans that want to see Italy and England at 2 right. p.m. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I have a feeling there'll be plenty of people that'll finish that final gun after 90 minutes, rip over to Nicolino's or somewhere around there and watch the rest of the game. It'll be a great day for soccer fans here in the city. Ed, all the best to the Bombers as training camp gets going tomorrow. Thanks very much for your time. Hopefully we can do this soon. And uh, we'll look forward to chopping it up before we get going with the Grey Cup rematch on August 5th right here in the peg at IG Field. Right on, Huss. Thanks for having me on. appreciate it. Right on, buddy. Thanks so much. There he is, the one and only Ed Tate. Follow him on uh, Twitter at EdTateWFC. And if you go to BlueBombers.com right now, Ed has in-depth positional previews uh, for all aspects of the Blue Bombers heading into training camp. And, uh, of course, Ed will have daily reports on everything going on on the Blue and Gold beginning tomorrow as training camp officially begins. And we can say the CFL is back. Thanks so much to Ed for popping by. Um, Quick shout out to our friends at Assiniboia Downs. I I know we are hoping to find out some good news on the um, restrictions loosening next week. Now, right now, the only way you can check out live racing is in the Terrace Dining Room. There's a limited amount of seating for all the live racing nights, but you can get reservations. That's the only way to get them. So go to AssiniboyDowns.com, ASDowns.com, and uh, set that up. But I'm hoping that next week we'll find out that those restrictions have been loosened. We'll actually be able to get out there get a couple beers, sit outside, watch the races, bet on the races. In the meantime, you can do it at hpibet.com. And of course, follow the guys every night on the Assiniboia Downs YouTube page as Kirk and Stretch do a great job promoting the upcoming races and give you a little bit of insight. Remus and I will get back after it next Monday 
for our duel at the Downs. And uh, I'm in countdown mode. A week from today, I will finally be back at Aikens Lake. I am so excited to get back out there. Um, you know, I've had some of the, the best summer times of my life out there. World-class flying fishing lodge. Just you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. And uh, if you've never been there, you're looking for a great holiday inside the province, check out AikensLake.com. Hit Pit Turan up on Twitter at Aikens Lake, and maybe we'll see you out there soon. Uh, you can follow me on social media at HustleRam. I'll be firing up some content from there on Friday and Monday. And next week, we'll tell you about a couple very special guest hosts that will be filling in for me with Michael Remus next Friday and next Monday while we are out at Aikens. And I listen, I know I mentioned Royal Sports earlier as well today, but I can tell you, Greg just texted me. And uh, I'm not sure if you can see this. Can, can you see that up there? Uh, I'm not sure whether that will actually come through. But uh, the new Lightning Stanley Cup Championship t-shirts are in there. One says one says Tampa Bay Champions. The other one says Cup Boat Parade Repeat. Uh, <laughs> pretty cool one. So if you are a Lightning fan, you can get out there and... Just got a picture of all, I guess they've got some more Italy and England merchandise. If you're looking for an Italy or England jersey before Sunday, Royal Sports has a bunch of them, not to mention all the other great kits from the Euro and international soccer. So pop down there if uh, if you need in time for Sunday, supporting Italy or England. Uh, but I got to tell you, all those jerseys are so sweet. I'm a big fan of the soccer unis. Um, but anyways, down there at Royal Sports, we told you about it before. We'll tell, about you, uh, tell you about it again over at 750 Pemina Highway in time for kickoff on Sunday at 2 p.m. Cannot wait for that. We'll get to the cool bet lines in just a minute. Oh, and a special guest, uh, a special event for everyone that's with us on YouTube. Once we finish the odds and a couple other things with Remus, we will have an unboxing, a very special unboxing to finish up the program here with everybody on YouTube. But in the meantime, let's get Michael Remus back in here. And while you're there, if you're with us, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button. Can certainly uh, use a few more likes to help um, boost the YouTube channel. Remo, great stuff from Aaron Bronstetter. I'm fired up for the UFC tomorrow night. It's always a big fight when McGregor's fighting, but I'm even more exciting for CFL football to be back. And uh, what a great chat with our good friend Ed Tate about uh, all things Bombers and CFL heading into tomorrow's big day. Yes, it's finally here. The countdown is on. August 5th, Bombers, more importantly, CFL Fantasy, CFL Betting, a lot of stuff we can talk about, but a great to hear, Ed, some, some good insight. Um, you know, the kicking, I think, is the one where major change, and I agree with Ed, I know it was a lot to pay for Medlock, but he was worth, whatever he made, he was Every worth penny. it. Every penny. Every uh, penny. I mean, you would get over the 50-yard line, and you'd, he was right, you'd be in field goal range, and they could do things um, they, you know, that other teams couldn't do in terms of offense. You could just take the automatic points every time. So. Um, that is going to be a big change. So we'll all eyes will be because they don't have a backup. It seems like so it's going to be uh, the leg Legio uh, kicking, right? Yeah, le- le- and which is a great name for a kicker. Le- and I know it's Legio, but it really should be leg or Legio, and he'll just yeah. be referred to probably as leg. And he has a big leg, as Ed Tate mentioned. There is some wild kicks of him showing his stuff from his days at Western. Or I love the. I, you know when you see like workout videos of guys running fast, there's no better video on the internet than a kicker, maybe with a bit of wind behind him, blasting like 70 and 75-yard field goals from the other end. And like he has apparently been able to do that. 
the big issue though is making sure it goes through the uprates and that was the thing that justin medlock did better than anybody yeah and he also not only did he get cussed he hunted too so uh dual dual threat uh guy bombers uh bombers legend that's for sure definitely uh you know was part you know the kicking was rough for a while he came in to get the kick sort of sorted out and win a great cup obviously a lot of other parts came together defense offense all all great i mean on all facets they were they were awesome so hopefully uh we can see a repeat uh this year that would be great um all, all right before we get to cool back yeah. uh, we can tell you unfortunately Dennis Shapovalov's Wimbledon run is over. You know, with that missed opportunity and losing that first set in a tie break was, um, you know, really tough for Shapo, who was serving for the first set. Uh, but man, what a run for the young Canadian. He loses 7 6, 7 5, 7 5 to world number one Novak Djokovic, his best performance ever at Wimbledon. The final now will be Djokovic and the Italian Berrettini, the seventh seed. That will go on Sunday. Sorry, go, go ahead, Reem. I was going to say, we did have some hockey news. Got to sh- give a shout-out to BA Split in the chat. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, here, I'll, should I pull it up here, Huss? You ready for sure. this one? Let's do it. All right. Nikita Kucherov signed a deal with uh, Bud Light, to, according to <laughs> according to his agent, Hockey Agent One on Twitter. Uh, so there's Kucherov on his way to becoming, the what, this year's Ovi at the parade on Monday? Well, we'll see. And, you know, you pointed yeah. this out to me, and this is sort of neat. I mean, I, I as I said yesterday, I mean, Cooch sort of played the heel role with that wild promo after uh, after they won the cup, taking a shot at Flurry and Hellebuck and Canadians fans, you know, rubbed some people the wrong way. Certainly got a lot of people talking about it, which I don't think is a bad thing. Um, but Igor Larionov Jr. Remo tweeted yeah. out that, and again, I'm not as familiar with Igor Larionov Jr., I mean, son of the great Igor Larionov, but apparently Kucherov FaceTimed Igor and was just yelling in Russian, I love you, you're my idol, and uh, that party. Oh, there it is right now. I was at dinner with my dad yesterday, and he got a FaceTime call from a random number. He picks it up, and it's Nikita Kucherov with the Stanley Cup. Kuch shouts something in Russian about six times. The translation of that is, you're my idol. Thank you. Coolest thing witnessed. So, um, well... He rubbed some people the wrong way. Um, it's obvious that he is uh, truly enjoying another championship. And this one, you can tell for the Lightning, a little bit different, having won it the way they did in a building with fans. And I would imagine that that party and the parade on Monday is going to be big time. Uh, I wonder if it's going to be a regular parade or where they'll, they'll do the boat parade again last year, which was uh, which was quite interesting. I'm assuming there's going to be sea involved, although the players probably won't be able to drive them, so I take that back. But they will, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure they'll be on some type of boat. Um, uh, we'll see what Pat Maroon... Uh, we love covering uh, the parades because it always comes with some hilarity. Uh, you know... I remember John Quick or Brad Marchand are just some highlights of uh, recent Cup Cup champions. Um, I think Corey Crawford too. Didn't he drop some uh, f bombs as well? Oh yeah. Um, so there's no always... one was good. No one was good as Chase Utley though. Oh, it didn't uh, Ovechkin? I mean Ovechkin. <laughs> that was so amazing, uh, Ovechkin. So we'll see what Kucherov can do. Tom Brady, of course, last year in the Stanley Cup, tweeting out, uh, "You can't throw me at Tom Brady." So. Uh, I, I'm excited for their for their parade. Uh, you know, good for them. They were they were the best team, and uh, we'll see what they do. You know, with the expansion draft and the off season to try to make it a not one, not two, but three 
uh, Pete. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm happy the series is over. I'm done with the lightning. I'm done with the Habs. I'm done with 2021. And we are on to the 2021-22 season. And uh, listen, the next few weeks is going to be fascinating. We've got the expansion draft on the 21st, where Seattle will select their players. That's going to affect every team in the National Hockey League. And um, a few days before that, I guess actually next weekend, the protected list will be publicized. So guys will be talking about that on Monday show and Tuesday before, of course, the uh, it goes down on uh, Monday. One other bit on hockey today, Rima. Habs did their final meetings with the media. Jeff Petrie finally talked about the bloodshot eyes that he had. And that was kind of everywhere on social media when he returned to the lineup. It's sort of crazy how he got those ream. Apparently, he passed out after they had to pop his pinky finger back into the socket. Yikes. Yeah, they said he needed surgery. He just played with his pinky finger taped to his uh, fourth finger. Uh, man, hockey players, these guys are, are crazy. So that's how you got the Jeff. Good to know the backstory on the Jeff Petrie eyes. I mean, we did get a couple other notes. Corey Perry says he wants to be back in Montreal. Um, says he wants the full Montreal experience, you know, with fans next year. I mean, that was a huge, huge signing for them for like min sell with like eight hundred seven fifty or whatever, yeah, eight hundred grand. I mean, worth it. Um, Eric Stahl, who they got at the deadline, he said, you know, he's got to talk with his family before he decides to come back. And Phil Deneau, uh said he turned down some offers for pizza endorsements during the Stanley Cup. I guess didn't want to be a distraction or he was too busy playing games every second night (laughs) to do a pizza deal. I wonder if it's kind of cool. I mean, the time to do the pizza deal is like right after, like walk off the the press bar and then sign the pizza deal, send out a tweet. I mean, uh, what more do you need to do? I wonder if the appetite for maybe starting next season, you can still do a pizza deal in Montreal. Well, here's the thing. Is he going to be back with Montreal? Also I mean, true. the three guys you just mentioned, Eric Stahl, Corey Perry, and Phil Deneau, all with expiring contracts. And Deneau apparently turned down a $5 million AAV long-term contract from the Canadians. And that's interesting. I mean, I'd say in some ways it's sort of risky. But listen, I mean, even though he didn't do a lot offensively, he was such a huge part of what the Canadians were able to do in the first three rounds, especially against the Vegas Golden Knights, that I think his value is maybe as high as ever. What what did Mike Kelly say with this room? We were talking about Deneau, and Mike Kelly, from his perspective, said if it's anything under $6 million, he's all in on Phil Deneau. And you wonder whether that fits in Montreal or whether there'd be another team out there that's got you know a lot of high-end offensive talent that identifies Deneau as a guy that can maybe put them over the top as far as neutralizing the best players on the other team. Because let's face it, that's exactly what he did against the Maple Leafs. He did it against the Jets, despite Mark Scheifele obviously being out of the final three games of this series and completely frustrated Mark Stone and the Vegas Golden Knights. And, um, you know, might not have the big offensive numbers, but I can tell you there's head coaches and GMs that would love to get Deneau in. Fascinated to see how many years and what the term he gets and whether it's the Montreal Canadiens that can keep him with his original club. Yeah, I'll have to see. And I think he opened a lot of eyes of his value. And I think he said that today. And again, shutting down, you know, shutting down Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. And then, you know, the Jets really not being able to do much. And then Vegas, I mean, three times. Those are high-powered offenses that, uh, you know, were just, just stopped. Um Although, you know, Toronto was pretty good in the first couple of games and then the last they petered out at the end. So, uh, yeah, that's that's one other thing we'll see. And one other hockey note, uh, this is still Canadians related. Um, Joel Bouchard 
Now the head coach of the San Diego Gulls of the AHL, he replaces Kevin Deneen. And Joel Bouchard was previously with the Laval Rocket, uh, the Montreal AHL team. So I know a lot of guys, I saw Jake Evans, um, you know, giving a lot of credit to Joel Bouchard. He's being very highly praised, so highly praised that Dallas Aikens, now trending on Twitter, he's the coach of the Ducks, saying Joel Bouchard is coming for his job. So uh, that that's uh, some other uh, hockey coaching news. Well, and uh, I should give a thanks to, I think it was B.A. that just uh, popped this in there. Or no, it was Jason Jett who let us know the Bombers just announced a bunch of transactions. Here they are. This is just hot off the press from the Bombers. They've added three players to the roster. Two more DBs. I guess that makes 20, 29 from our conversation with Eddie. Uh, maybe these guys were included. But anyways, American uh, DB David Rivers. American DB Hakeem Bailey and American linebacker Kylan Curse Thomas have all been added to the roster. Uh, American defensive lineman Royce LaFrance released from the roster. Uh, Patrick Chuda, American defensive end, has been transferred to the retired list. And this is interesting, transferred to the suspended list. I'm not sure whether these guys are signed and didn't show up or, or exactly what. But uh, you've got Canadian Connor Griffiths and then Americans DB Dexter McDougal, linebacker Mason Moe. Receiver Mikhail McKay, running back James Williams, running back Josh Caldwell, defensive ends Vontarius Dora, uh, defensive back Marwin Edwins, and receiver Malcolm Lewis. And Remo, I, I would expect that over the course of the next 48 hours, we'll be seeing a ton of these announcements from teams around the league because there was a big question as to, you know, with all the players signed, the players that you expected, how many of them were actually going to be there because there was some public retirements and there was a number of players that had big question marks as to whether they'd be showing up for their respective teams. And I think this is going to be something that a lot of the clubs are dealing with to begin camp this weekend. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see, you know, as training camp moves along, you know, maybe what you think the roster is going to look like at the start of training camp is nothing like, uh, you know, before the start of the season with cuts and I guess guys on the suspended list, people, maybe people try to play and they're like, you know what? I, I don't have it this year, and they got to retire or sit out. Um, and then also injuries, as we saw in Saskatchewan. Three guys hurting their Achilles. And someone did post in the chat, it was with a drill involving a medicine ball. So uh, I'm not, I'll have to read more about that before I make any determinations. But I don't think I'll be picking up a medicine ball anytime soon myself. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get to, we do have, a very special unboxing in a moment. First, let's get to the Cool Bet lines for the weekend, brought to you by our friends at Cool Bet. If you uh, haven't already, and uh, maybe you want to make a wager on Italy or England, uh, the McGregor fight, uh, some NHL futures, the Jets to win the cup next year, it's all there at Cool Bet. If you haven't played before, use promo code WST. You'll get a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. Um, Big win last night for the Phoenix Suns. They're up 2-0 in the NBA Finals. The series shifts back to Wisconsin for game number three on Sunday night. Bucks four-point favorites at home, minus 182 on the money on the money line. And the Suns, I'm still a believer. Suns in four could happen if you like that. Suns plus 154 on the money line, or you can hit them on the spread at plus four. Um, right now, the winner of the series, if you think the Milwaukee Bucks can come back, plus 370 on your cash, Phoenix minus 526, and a series sweep right now opened at plus 825, it's plus 420, 
Interesting uh, for the Phoenix Suns. Moving on to Euro. Final match is Sunday. Italy and England. The 90-minute odds are as follows. Full-time Italy plus 221. A draw plus 195. And England plus 162. The total is two. If you like the under, you can get minus 118. If you like the over, it's plus 101. Obviously, two goals would be a push. And the outright winner of Euro 2022, this would include extra time. This would include penalty kicks if it goes to it. Italy, plus 105. England, minus 118. I'm riding with the Italians on Sunday at plus 105. And this is an interesting one. Dusty and I went into it a little bit today on the lock shop. Also, don't mind Italy as the most scoring team in the tournament. Uh, You've got Spain at plus 100, Italy at plus 105, and England at 950. Going into the final game, Spain has 13 goals, Italy has 12, and England has 10. So, I mean, you know, it would mean three or four goals for England to actually win it. But, I mean, really, a bet on Italy at plus 105 is betting them to get a goal. Uh, If they tied Spain, I imagine the amount you'd win would be chopped, but it would still be, you know, a plus net for you. And if Italy scores two goals, you're winning it. So, plus 105, don't mind that as well. Cannot wait for the tournament to end. And uh, it'll do it in fashion that I think is going to get this entire city and a lot of the pubs rocking on Sunday afternoon. And to finish it up, let's go to UFC. We talked about it with Aaron Bronstetter earlier on today. Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. Interesting. You know, we talked about how we thought this line might be moving in favor of McGregor. Just over the course of this program, it's actually moved in favor of Poirier. He was minus 125. He's now minus 130. McGregor's at plus 120. I think that if you want Poirier, you might want to wait on that a little longer. But if you are on Conor McGregor, I don't think you're going to get a better number than plus 120. That's available right now at Cool Bet. Other interesting fights. We talked about Greg Hardy and Tai Tuivasa. Plus 129 for Hardy. Minus 152 for Tuivasa. And the exact same number on the Burns-Wonderboy Thompson fight. 129 plus for Burns and minus 152 for the Wonder Boy. That's all on Saturday night. Unfortunately, bars are closing at 10, so you won't be able to go out and watch it, but maybe get some boys together, hook it up on pay-per-view. It should be good. How, what are you, where are you on that one? McGregor, Poirier, Remo, who you got? Uh, I'm going with Poirier. I'll, I'll listen to Aaron. He knows uh, more than me, and I think McGregor, while he's entertaining, uh, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fan of his. I don't know. So. Yeah, no, he is entertaining, but you also like to see him get his clock cleaned. I think a lot of people will be yeah, playing for Poirier on the weekend. Screw so that guy, right? <laughs> it should be good. Um, all right, Reem, anything that you would like to uh, cover before uh, we get to uh, uh, the finish oh, off the week with a uh, with an unboxing? Mm, did you want you wanted to touch on that uh, guy who hit the Grand Slam, the Padres oh. guy? Oh my God! Yes, last <laughs> night. The, okay, so I'm watching the game with a friend over at uh, at the Wood, and we're paying attention to the basketball game, but the Jays were rained out, so they had the Washington Nationals and Padres game on. And what, what happened uh, next was simply incredible. Eight-nothing lead for the Nats. Um, San Diego gets going. Tatis hits a bomb. And it gets them to, I think, got to 8-1. So they bring in, they're moving through. Max Scherzer is in. He's dealing on the mound. 
the Padres, because they got roughed up, have gone into the bullpen. They've used the they've used pinch hitters already. Um, so they've got a new reliever in, and they're planning on him going a couple innings. So they leave him in. So with Daniel Camarena playing his second major league game, had just been called up. Apparently, he's a hometown guy from the Southern California, the San Diego area. He gets up in his second game ever played with the bases loaded and goes deep with a grand slam off Max Scherzer. It was part of an eight-run comeback. They end up winning in extras 9-8, did it off Max Scherzer. And Remo Camarena, the first reliever in in the majors to hit a grand slam since 1985. Uh, I tweeted out a couple videos of this last night. The reactions of his family were absolutely amazing. Um, really a once-in-a-million shot from this guy. And uh, got it done. Big win for the Padres. But really, the great story in sports from last night. Yeah, that's uh, pretty incredible. And we will be tuning in to, uh, I guess, on Monday, the Home Run Derby. Maybe we can make some picks for that. But everyone watching uh, Shohei Otani, I think he's the uh, – I don't think he is the name to watch. I did see someone tweet that he hasn't taken batting practice once this year, which uh, is insane. So uh, he's an awesome player, and I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, hard to believe we're at the All-Star break. This is like the uh, – the dead time for sports, you know, the only thing going on, usually just CFL, but it seems like we used to got the NBA finals, hockey, uh, off season, hot stuff. We got stuff, stuff going on, a little UFC here. So we're, we're making our way through it. Well, absolutely. Of course, bomber training camp next week. And, uh, you know, we'll start kind of looking ahead to the expansion draft and, uh, you know, I mean, geez, we're going to come right out of that next weekend and, uh, be ready to see who, uh, the jets are losing, who's on Seattle. And then the draft is two days later. So, yeah, a little bit of a downtime for a week or two, but uh, things are going to get cooking again here on Winnipeg Sports Talk and in the sports world. I see Jeff Cabilla. Slam Diego is right. And he kind of got in. And the coolest thing about it, Reem, is, uh, you know, they have got that massive chain. Uh, you know, like the turnover chain in football. Well, they've got, I don't know what they call it, a big play chain, but it's got a massive Padres, you know, pendant on it. And uh, they threw it on. And when he went back to the, uh, went back to the, um, the dugout. So uh, pretty, pretty cool event. Jeff Cavillas, that call was awesome. And off Scherzer was all pitchers, no doubt. Um, and listen, the ball was out of the sw- the strike zone. It was a bizarre. Anyways, you got to see it for yourself. Last night's game, San Diego and Washington. All right, Remo, I think it's time for, uh, we haven't done an unboxing for a while. And I've been waiting for this item to come in. I still have not yet opened it because I figured that the, um, that our that our Winnipeg Sports Talk YouTubers would love to see it. Are you ready? Uh, yes, I would like to see this item. You've been hyping it up for a long time. <laughs> All right, everybody. I, I put you on full screen so everyone can Here see. Here it is, full screen. Okay. The package came yesterday. I've been waiting to open it here. Another official Winnipeg Sports Talk unboxing. I think I know what this is. We're going to pull it out. We've got, oh, look at this. Expertly, expertly packed by the guys over at Break Kings. Now, uh, I will say this. My pal Dustin Nielsen, my partner from the lock shop, and, uh, of course, the uh, one of the uh, voices of the CFL and TSN as well, Dusty is a huge card guy, huge card guy. And he'd been doing some breaks. So I said, well, what the heck? I'll go in one of your breaks. And, I mean, I'm really more into the Jets cards than any others. I mean, you don't like to get a good rookie card or something like that of a player, but 
main focus is the Jets. So when he's doing them, I'll often buy the Jets. Now, this card, it comes from, I want to say, like the uh, some upper deck exquisite or something like that. I don't honestly don't know. But here it is. We'll pull it up. Pull this away. And the official, I got to get this. Here we are. Here we are. Okay. Pulling it off. Look at this beauty, everybody. The, the signed Sammy Niku autographed UD canvas out of 83. And what's amazing about, about this card, <laughs> and unfortunately, this is probably the way many of us will remember Sammy, is in a suit walking up to the press box. <laughs> <laughs> but heck of a card nice signature by sammy as well 48 out of 83 so uh there there is our unboxing today what a card autograph sammy niku we'll see if he's a jet going forward uh everyone seems to love to love it up in the uh in the chat remo you're a big card guy what do you think about my new acquisition that i got in this break it's actually even better that he's in a suit uh, than actually playing hockey and if he was playing hockey it wouldn't be that good but the fact that he's like in this suit looking good in the dressing room look at that it, hair, it does dude. kind of sum up like his time with the jets i'm sure maybe it was tough for them to find one of him on the ice i have <laughs> i have no idea and i think and he was on frank cervalli's you know trade list he was like number 20 on his top 20 trade targets so we'll see what what his future uh, holds in winnipeg but uh, he put up some points in the AHL, you know, didn't really uh, crack the lineup on a regular basis here in Winnipeg. And I think his card there, what set is that from? Here, so this is from, I'm just going to read the back here, Upper Deck Canvas, Sammy Niku. So I guess this is the 2018 or 2019 Upper Deck Exquisite, or maybe the Earl of Eli, if he's with us, he'll know. Um, but yeah, 2017-2018 Jets. One game played, one goal, one point. Not bad. Not bad for his debut. I kind of forgot that he scored in his first game. That was against Montreal, yeah, brother. Yeah, it was. And it says, congratulations, you have received a trading card autographed by Sammy Niku in the president's presence of an upper representative of Upper Deck Company and provided the certificate to its authenticity by Sammy Niku. Enjoy your <laughs> autographed card. So... You know what? If this is the end of the road for Sammy in Winnipeg, we'll always have this beautiful memento of Sammy's time here with great hair. His hair actually is relatively short for Sammy and all of that. But um, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe, you know, stranger things have happened. Logan Stanley turned into a stud for the Jets this year on the blue line. Maybe, maybe Sammy due to some way gets a shot with the Jets next year. Someone gets picked up and I think we'd all love to see him play a little bit, but not sure whether that's going to be in the cards. But uh, speaking of the cards, there you have it. There's the unboxing. We said we'd have some fun and uh, it seems like a lot of people enjoyed that. Remo, bring out the Burmy. Yeah, this one's right there. And Andrew Galeco, absolutely nice suit. Hey, he looks resplendent on this. So uh, there's a new one for new one for the collection. Sammy Niku signed 43. 48 out of 83, which, of course, was his number with the Winnipeg Jets. Rima, what's up for the weekend? You uh, hit the hit. zoo again or what? That's a good hit, man. Um, <laughs> you 
You know, last weekend we go, were going to it was way too hot. What's the last weekend? It was actually like nuts out. So I'm kind of what's this forecast here? Ooh, it's gonna be hot again. 32, 34 are the highs. Ooh, Ooh. are you um, serious? Yeah, apparently right now it's like 29 outside, and I'm here uh, wearing a hoodie in my basement. Uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie, by the way, uh, now available. Store is open. At, at store, store is open and available right now. I know WinnipegSportsTalk.com. Hit store. Yeah, I know those uh, items are being shipped out, so uh, stay tuned. Um, I got a friend in from out of town. You know, a lot of my f- friends moved to Toronto area, Hamilton, and um, they haven't been here for like a year and a half. So now they're kind of could trickling. be a gathering. There could, could be could, a gathering. I'm hoping to have an outdoor gathering uh, Saturday for the fight. Uh, trying to hook, find a way to hook that up. So um, Ooh, that's what call. I would. That's what I would like to do. Uh, the rest good. of that, I, I'm not sure. Maybe some landscaping, some yard work. Hoping to have a guy come down and uh, grind a couple uh, tree stumps, and uh, we'll see. Are we ever going to call parties parties anymore? Are they now officially gatherings? Uh, 100% gathering. Uh, large, <laughs> large scale sporting event gatherings. Yeah, I'm, I'm in for gatherings. I'm, I'm here here to call everything. I think maybe more than 10 people you can call it a party, but not quite yet. The one thing I hope that doesn't go away is those um, markers on the floor where to stand in line. Uh, those are the best. Those... <laughs> okay. You want your personal space. I went to Sev uh, the other week, and first of all, Winnipeg was like 25th, 26th year in a row, Slurpee Capital. Every year. So like, this is... Do they even bother tallying it, or they just, yeah, just give it to Winnipeg? Listen, listen, we got the belts. We're the Slurpee capital, the murder capital, the COVID capital. We got it all. All we need is a Stanley Cup to go with the Grey Cup here, and we'd be the best at everything. Some of the ones you don't really want to be the best in, but unfortunately, we have been. I will say, I remember I would go wait in line, like, on a hot day for a Slurpee, and, like, people were, like, jammed together waiting. But now they got the spots in line, and you know where to stand. You got your personal space, and I think it that goes not just there, like, the post office, anywhere. Um, they have have uh, the lines on the floor where to stand. Uh, I think those are here to stay. Those are excellent. Also, uh, I don't want to have to shake sweaty hands with anyone after a sporting event ever. I, I've said this before. Like, like, how disgusting is that? Like, you play hockey against a team, you take off your gross, disgusting glove. I are out my hockey equipment. I don't trust that people on the other team are. And to shake a guy's hand, that's that is gross. I never want to do that again. Uh, <laughs> that was the take I wasn't expecting. No more shaking hands than sports. We, I, afterwards. I had softball. We didn't shake hands after. It's sick. Hygiene over sportsmanship, people. Courtesy yeah, not, of the CTO, Michael. Reeves. What am I shaking a guy's hand who's been in his gross baseball glove all game, like in thirty degree heat? No, please, come on. I think I think we're a fist pump society now. Yeah, you yeah, fist, uh, Yes, I'm. I'm happy to do that. I, I'm. I'm okay with that. But like, I don't need to put my gross palm after a ass sporting event inside someone else's. Doesn't uh, need, that's not necessary. Okay. No, it's like, hey, see, ya, you know, we had a good game. Uh, we played nice. Uh, see you next time. Uh, this, this is some wonderful, wonderful. I men Remo, nothing worse than getting hit in the heels with a, ho- a shopping cart. That's from Leighton. Uh, yes. Bardo. Me. Uh, I love Sammy and Sammy loves Winnipeg. The only jet to stay in the peg for the whole pandemic. That is true. And does have a young child here yeah. in Winnipeg as well. So uh, again, I think a lot of us would, you know, you know, the talent of this guy and, yeah, you'd love love to see him get a chance to you know to play he in needs, the NHL, especially a as a man that has this signed rookie card numbered to eighty three. 
Uh, I now need, I now really need Sammy to get a chance okay. to show what he can do in the NHL. That's a rookie. I just thought it was a standard canvas. No, 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 no. This is a rookie. Again, keep in mind, one game, one goal. Like this is from uh, from twenty eighteen. Oh, or 2019. I thought it was his like standard card. Does it say uh, Young Gun on it or no? No, no. It's the upper. It's the upper deck canvas. Although I think I do have the uh, the Young Gun as well. I got it's an even Andrew. more exclusive. More exclusive. This is they don't have the Young Guns in these cards. They have like signed cards and whatnot. As I said, you know, at some point during this downtime, a little slow, we'll get one of the card guys to come in and. Give us a full rundown on oh. what's happening in the industry because it has gone absolutely crazy over the course of the pandemic. Leighton Janis uh, wants to make a trade with you for that card. He says, let Ooh. him know. Well, Leighton, I'm, uh, you know, we, we can maybe make a deal, although I have been very excited oh. to get this one. This is my big one from the uh, from it. Hey, okay, uh, we've got some more takes on this. Hey, Jason Jett says, uh, this is from the Winnipeg Jets rumor mill. True story. My buddy saw Niku and Vesa. I'm assuming Vesa line out of Walmart buying tennis rackets last month. They weren't going to Royal to get tennis rackets. Come on, guys. <laughs> we should have tipped them off. Come yeah. on, guys. You don't need to, you need to do that. Um, Remo's bang on. The Remo rants are excellent. That won't happen anymore, yeah. Reem. Personal space is very important at a sausage fest. <laughs> right. 18 right. over par. The fist pump is enough. And death Two handshakes. Uh, and by the way, yeah, 18 over par podcast. Check that out. Coming out on Sunday night. Had a real fun uh, hour or so with the guys yesterday talking about how we started this, talking golf, talking condiments. It was uh, it was a heck of yeah. a lot of fun. All right, everyone. Well, I think talk. that's going to do it for us. I'm not done yet, though. I will be on Sportsnet 960 for three hours beginning, I guess, at four o'clock our time. So in about one hour from now, if you want to join us for that. Uh, but we'll be back on Monday. I'll be Monday to Thursday next week. We'll let you know about our guest hosts when we get going on Monday's show. Uh, but other than that, thanks for being with us. Big thanks to Aaron Bronstetter and Ed Tate. Of course, Royal Sports, you can pop down and grab those Euro jerseys, Italy, England, before the big game on Sunday if you need one. Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug, Mix in one of these, maybe a couple of these this weekend. The Summer Lager, highly recommended. Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, Assiniboia Downs, and CoolBet.com. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for the support, everyone. And we'll see you here back Monday on your favorite podcast feed and right here on YouTube on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Enjoy. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.